1: Hey, and welcome back to another edition of Nights of Nitro, that occasional podcast from your friends here at Days of Thunder on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, powered by a large man Your host is always Dave Ryan, and I am joined by my channel hopping buddy, Lee Malone. Lee, how are you?
2: I'm good, I'm good. Yeah, uh, Looking forward to the night show, really, really am. Um, I've had a, a busy week. Well, being not busy, which is one that was odd kind of
1: uh, weird things to explain, where you've had nothing on, but you've just been doing stuff all week. Yeah, I found that, like, uh, in the past, time fills itself. Like, you can, feels like a really existential thing to say, but, like, you <laughs> kind of, uh, you, you kind of, you'll clear off time so that you have plenty of it, and then shit just gets in the way. You know? Yeah,
2: man, it's just been like, I've been home all week, but yeah, I feel like I've been doing shit all the time. It's it's weird. I think I, I, I blame having children. I mean, they're, yeah. they're the, the problem behind all, yeah, all of my yeah. life. <laughs> I mean, I don't have that excuse, like unless
1: you count my dog. Uh, I mean, look, I mean, they, I they take up a lot of time as well. Yeah, um, I, I think like some people say, isn't it like the curse of humanity to be burdened with knowing that you will they will die? but I think the real curse of humanity is that weird kind of uh, break in in physics that time you are spending in work or time that you are busy with things you don't want to do goes slower than you could possibly fathom. And leisure time, boom, just yeah, gone. Yeah, gone, yeah. I
2: also feel like I was more productive in work doing stuff that I wanted to do than actually working
1: yeah yeah i find that something like i've done the odd podcast edit in work Mm. i've done the odd note compiling in work i've i've never watched a show for this podcast in work because i can't get a long enough stretch of time Mm. i like to watch the show unbroken where possible unless you know we've had the odd thunder that that nearly kills me stone dead so I, i can't do it then Um, I need to take breaks, but, uh, on the whole, I prefer to not take breaks once I start. And I can't guarantee that in work. Like someone's always fucking looking for me Uh, (laughs) to answer some. The the burden of being good at things. (laughs) The the burden of going, yeah, I'll, I'll take, I'll take the the job of being in charge. Oh, what's that? People actually need me for stuff. Oh, I might have preferred where I was, to be honest. Um. (laughs) Yeah, I, I I do. I I have that thing. I I definitely I am much more plugged in to doing my fantasy football when I'm when I'm in work and stuff like that. Whereas at home, if I have a week off, I always forget to do my fantasy football. Come here, uh, Two weeks in, I forgot, so
2: I'm done. Yeah.
1: I'll yeah, always I'm, make a team, but I'll never follow up on it. I'm in a predictions league as well, and there's fierce pressure with that because Friday every week, then I have to try and remember my fantasy team and then predict the scores for all ten. Premier League games. Oh, It's a good league, though. It's one of those that, like, um, you get a X amount of points for a win, but the closer you are to the accurate scoreline, the more points you get. Oh, okay. And then your goal difference over the season, like how far you are, you were off the, the real goal tally for the season, uh, comes into play as well. Um, it is made by bigger maths nerds than me, bigger Excel nerds than me. Um, Jack LaZelle is one of the those Excel nerds that makes that league. But um, can you tell how drained we are of having to watch five hours of TV this week <laughs> that we're just like <laughs> casually dancing around? Maybe one of the more packed shows we're going to do this year. Talking about dread
2: and time and...
1: Yeah. But, but on
2: a brighter note, I really enjoyed both of these shows.
1: Yeah... You know, like maybe I'll I'll look back fonder on it in review, but I don't remember actively going I'm really enjoying this nitro. But in hindsight, now that you've said that, I think that's a three hour show that I watched in one sitting and like I said, I try not to take breaks, but I end up usually having to like pause and go for a walk or something during a nitro. It's I can't. so long.
2: I thought it was a real Stuff Happens show. Mm. And, I mean, being that it's 1999, there was very little problematic stuff across both shows, which I was really happy with.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think there's only one segment that I can recall writing... Um, And it was a raw segment mm. where I was like, oh, that's a, And it was the crowd that were being extremely dodgy. Yes. And yes. you know the exact one I'm, mm-hmm. I'm talking about, yeah. But that's like 1999 crowds, everyone. Uh, I don't know what to tell you.
2: Uh, come here. Both these crowds, apart from,
1: like you said, that, that moment. Um, I thought both crowds were fucking incredible. And this, do you know, this is something I was going to get back to. That, like, I, I'm really, really enjoying the show's we dip back to with the hot crowds because like something that I think we've been lacking a little in 2023 is, is genuinely hot crowds. I think, well, we've just seen a dynamite grand slam that had a proper hot crowd, mm-hmm. but like in terms of week to week TV, like I don't watch WWE, but every time I tune into a segment, like you can tell half the heat is piped in. Yeah. Everything's every so in inorganic in WWE now. Yeah. Like the, the quote unquote heat that Dom gets, for example, like, so preposterously turned up and sweetened. Um, mm. And then, like, Dynamite has been on a run of crowds that are a bit lackluster, and same with, with Collision. Uh, those would be the shows I actually do watch. Um, so, yeah, I think going into two shows with extremely hot crowds really helped. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, um. What was the experience though of watching? Like you said the um, you enjoyed both shows. Was it kind of a um, was it were were they were they easy watches?
2: Yeah, I thought they were. I think because I remember this era of Raw so well, everything kind of clicked in my brain. I was like, oh yeah, this happens, and um, like SummerSlam '99 is a, a show I had on VHS that I'd probably watched dozen times so like all this build is ingrained in my memory yeah and um
1: yeah i I think body
2: experience for you (laughs) yeah and uh i think that the fact that there was like i think i said to you great doing it like (laughs) in the dms i was like oh fuck 1999 raw there's going to be a ton of problematic stuff going on and i really think the fact that there was so little Kind of like lifted my mood, and uh. I even I fin- I finished RAW and watched like I watched like maybe forty minutes of Nitro straight after. Yeah, and then I hit the rest of Nitro then the following day. Mm. Um, so yeah, like I I really I I did I enjoy both shows.
1: You you did the reverse of what I did where when I when I do these uh, we've had a couple of these crossover to WWF shows. Um, and I will always watch the WCW show first, because even though I think bell to bell, the WWF shows have genu- generally been worse, they have much more of a kinetic pace to them mm-hmm. that I find that even when they're bad, they're easier to get through. And I'm wondering, is that the magic of Vince Russo uh, in 1999? Not now, but in 1999, WWF, when we've watched before, that like he was as terrible... In certain respect, in certain areas, as he ever was when he got to WCW, but the pacing of Raw was so much quicker that like nothing stayed on screen long enough for you to think about it.
2: No, every like it was literally go go go. Another thing that struck me was the fact that like everything in WWF was so interconnected. Like mm. there had to be like maybe no more than twenty people on the show.
1: That that was um something I definitely thought about a lot. Is like the the actual cast of that show was so small. Like I think Undertaker appeared in half the segments, for example.
2: Like We saw I think it was three rock entrances. Yeah. Um Undertaker appeared a good handful of times. Big show. Big show, obviously with Undertaker. Um Xbox was in three different segments.
1: Uh Billy Gunn. Big um, one, yeah. In, like it, it occurred a couple of times. Road Dog was in even Road Dog was in a couple of segments. Like so, that's what like he did a lot with yeah. such a small crew,
2: which you you don't think of nineteen ninety nine WRF having a small crew, but I mean week to week, yeah, maybe they did. Like I, imagine,
1: guess, like, I, I guess you don't. Uh, maybe it's a looking back in hindsight now, where there's four hundred people on the roster, hmm. um. And like maybe one of the lessons from the Attitude Era, like for all the trying to ape the Attitude Era over and over again, they have maybe one thing that they didn't take forward that they should have is that like you should really concentrate your flagship show on a small number of people. Get them over real good, because I guess like one of the lessons that they that they were learning at the time was, hey, people really like The Rock. (laughs) <laughs> we should give them lots of the rock well because so, yeah. as long as the rock is like is the poochie thing like when when the rock isn't on the screen people should be asking where is the rock well
2: it, it's funny because in 97 and 98 that was absolutely steve austin hmm. and it was amazing to me to see that in 99 cuz again i don't remember thinking that at the time i was only 13 yeah. um That they absolutely replaced Steve Austin with The Rock as that guy that was in every segment that everyone was going,
1: The Rock is on my hit list. Yeah, it was it was it was Austin and Vince was that like from Austin's kind of like crowning on through like the start of 99. And by the summer of 99, you're right. They've been supplanted like Vince is off TV at the moment Mm -hmm. and it's The Rock and Triple H because it's, it's also the summer of Triple H. Um that, that, that does Remember when Triple H was good? Well we'll talk
2: I think we'll talk about it when we get to that segment in the in the mm-hmm. show. But uh yeah, do you wanna Since we're talking so much WWF, do you wanna start with Raw?
1: Right. Yeah, let's let's start with Raw. Um and I guess there is a very distinct reason we picked this Raw uh to do a Nights of Night or this is a very important Monday night for a couple of reasons, one on each show. Um, And we're going to get into why Raw very quickly. But I'll just uh, mention this is Raw Edition 324. This is from the Allstate Arena in Chicago, Illinois. Um, This is on the 9th of August, 1999. Now, what I'm going to do is do a little bit of a cheat and tell you that the rating for Nitro now bear in mind Nitro, it's not like it's an irreversible decline where Nitro never won again after the 83 weeks. That's something we talked about recently that I'd like to definitely dispel.
3: Mm-hmm. So I think
1: that is the kind of head canon of a lot of people that just listen to like Bischoff and people like that, that like once the streak was over, they never and won again. Bischoff was Isn't out of power, they never won again. But that wasn't true. That was not true. Um so I'm gonna tell you that Nitro did a three point one rating. Okay. okay? And now I want you to tell me what you think Raw did if you haven't looked it up already. If
2: Nitro did a 3.1, I wouldn't be surprised if Raw did around 4.2, 4.3. Well, you
1: will be surprised because Raw did a 6.4. What? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Wow. This, uh, This was a fucking whomping. <laughs> like more than double! <laughs> Holy shit, that is like an extraordinary.
2: I I didn't think it was still that high of a viewership number in uh-huh. like mid ninety nine. Yeah, like I thought, both had come down kind of to like five, like maybe a high of a five even. But mm. like fucking hell! Now yeah. I wonder, did people were people tuning in for the Millennium Countdown?
1: So, here's the thing. Uh, this is why we're here on Raw. As you said, the cold open happens and it's the countdown of the millennium clock. One hour, 25 minutes remain.
3: Not even and the th- top
1: of the hour. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deep into the second hour. Mm-hmm. Which is very interesting. Um, I guess they probably have that thing. Like, there was a phenomenon, like, and it was a kind of widely held belief at the time, that people did do a little bit of channel hopping at the top of every hour. Mm-hmm. So maybe they thought people are going to hop over to raw anyway. So there's no p- like, and have a look at what's going on. So there's no point in putting it at the top of the hour. Let's put it at a time where people wouldn't normally switch over and see if we can get people to switch over. Yeah. Um, I wonder, is that the the wisdom here? Now I'm going to rewind to the summer of 99 in our lives. Lee. Um, so I had just turned 10 years old which I think Would that have made you Around 13? 13, 13, 13. Yeah. Did you know Who the millennium man was? Yes In advance I did So were you online At that stage? No <laughs> Were you a power slam reader At that stage? I was a power slam reader um, I got into power slam
2: Very early in, in my life Yeah I wasn't getting it Every month Because You
1: know I wasn't rich <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like for the time. I remember that that like for a magazine that came out. How often does it come out? Was it monthly? It was yet? monthly.
2: It was monthly, monthly yeah. yeah.
1: It was like when we eventually turned to Euro, I remember it being like a 5-6 euro magazine, which yeah, at the time was scandalous. It, was, it wasn't cheap, I can tell you that much. No. Um but no, again, do you
2: remember Teletext was Teletext a thing as you?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the the Sky wrestling rumours Teletext page. The Sky wrestling text, yeah um that was definitely
2: if you knew enough that was telling you it was jericho Mm -hmm. um but yeah i I can't remember how exactly i knew i think it would have been power slam that gave it away yeah um but i absolutely knew it was jericho um i've talked about this before i would go to a friend of mine's house on a friday night we would channel hop between tnt and sky sports and watch um raw and nitro again yeah. for any of our american listeners who may not be aware of this we would not get monday night raw or wcw nitro until friday nights
1: yeah
2: at the uh, peak of the monday night wars it was not on live yeah you couldn't record it it was friday nights, nine o'clock um tnt would come on after not uh, what was it the, the children's network. channel
1: Cartoon network. network it Patrick would turn wars. at nine
2: o'clock yeah to tnt um yeah. Forcing on on a Friday would be Nitro, and simultaneously Raw would be on Sky Sports.
1: Yeah, uh, it was interesting because um, so and also I will say that, that that broadcast of Raw stayed almost right up until so they would start airing it live in the mid two thousands as well as keeping mm-hmm. that Friday slot because it was such habitual viewing for people. But it became a Friday night at ten pm, uh, shortly after the invasion finished. Mm because that was when I was like in two- late 2001 early 2002 I started staying in my granny's on a Friday night and they had Sky Sports and I would then watch uh, raw for the first time like I'd watch it on I'd watch it on tapes but I'd watch it for the first time live as live got in the, mm-hmm. the UK and Ireland back then but yeah you would do Nitro would be on a Friday and then if I'm not wrong for a long time, Thunder was the Saturday, and then towards, like, 2000, they would do them back-to-back on the same night on TNT. Ooh, I, I can't Again, by that era, I wasn't seeing much WCW. Yeah. Um, it was, they would do Nitro, and then the night after, they would do Thunder. Mm. But then, because obviously it's the end of the week, they would just air them back-to-back Um, yeah. towards the end of the, like... I think it was... It was around the time of the, the 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 Miss Hancock wedding, Nitro, that TNT stopped airing over here. Okay. And that was the end of WCW for me. Well, no, ch- Channel 5 it, picked up. Yeah. Which, which I, I didn't have. Or, or Worldwide, whatever it was they yeah. had. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it was... For me, as, like I said, just turned 10, I didn't know. So the last... The last time I was ever surprised by a jump between the two companies was DDP. Okay. Because it was for my birthday. I think I I told the story before that DDP... We watched DDP come out on Raw the morning of my birthday. (laughs) Uh, And as a huge DDP fan, lost it. (laughs) Um, Never thought in a million years he'd be the stalker, I'll tell you that. But anyway, um, I think it was literally for that birthday... I got a Power Slam subscription from my cousin. Ah, okay. So, like, after that, I was more clued in. Um, So that was the last one to surprise me. But yeah, Jericho. And it's funny because, like, we watched this show open. And immediately, like like you said, people were in the know. Because there are, is a, the first sign you see Jericho. on Nitro. They tried to cut away from it so quickly. Mm. But it's the Millennium Man Chris Jericho sign you would then see later shown on. for much yeah. longer later. Um, and it's just funny that even in 1999 for all the kind of like shit we give fans back then there was a lot more of them that were clued in than you'd necessarily have given credit for um, well, I mean there's there, look
2: you can shit on them all you want there's a reason will. that that Russo <laughs> believed uh, everyone was an internet fan he was just yeah. 20 years ahead of the business basically yeah yeah
1: not yeah, not yeah. to give him credit because he's a piece
2: of shit but anyway <laughs> yeah, yeah
1: yeah, but that so on the signs that was the like the first thing i noticed that was like absolutely incredible the amount of signs mm-hmm. not even that there were signs but just the amount mm-hmm. of them because like i've never been a like i think we've all been the guy at a live wrestling show who just is stuck behind a sign and miserable about it but it's a real sign of wrestling's popularity when there are that many people who are willing to put the time into yeah. making some of these signs. well, like, see, that's People because, fucking cared. Because going to, to the
2: show was an event of itself. And you mm. wanted to have, like, everyone has like a funny chant now. Or they sing yeah. along to a song. Back then it was, you put up your sign. That
1: was your way of being part of the show. And it was your emotional connection, wasn't it? Because like mm-hmm. some of these people, again, like some of the signs are obviously just like someone just took a giant sheet of card and wrote on it with a marker, but some of them are so fucking elaborate that like you're like, that's somebody that cared so much about
3: Billy Gunn. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. That they, they they took several hours to design a sign for them or do a bit, you know? Um and like, you know, now like you say, as much as sometimes the the chance, there's the odd chant that's funny or there's the odd, like the the escalating video game bit signs that mm-hmm. were happening in AEW for a long time. I think they might still be, but I just still have them, lost yeah, track yeah. of them. Yeah, like the odd time those ones laugh at me like it, or make me laugh, laugh at me, uh, that they make me laugh. I, it is a completely different vibe. Now it's more like I, I don't want to say it's exclusively fans trying to get themselves over now, but it's it feels a lot less genuine in terms of the actual connection to mm. the people. Act, in the
2: actually, scenes you're mentioning the video game, but being that, that that's a botchamania thing, yeah, did, did you see the tweet I put out a couple of weeks last week, the week before? Uh, Connor has decided he wants botchamania merch for Christmas,
1: <laughs> he's made a Matthew's made a fan.
2: Yeah, yeah, he's big into Matthew.
1: That's great. I actually, I because um, my WWE watching fell off, so did a lot of my Botchamania watching. Mm. Um, and then I like just recently, I think it might have been around the time you were talking about Connor. The, you told me mm. a while ago Connor was watching it, and when we were at Wembley, I saw all the people with the Taz signs, and Taz Taz we, Taz we were Taz, talking yeah. about it at, yeah. at Wembley. I was like, I need to. I need to catch up with Botchamania, and I I have been watching loads of them lately. And yes, the the Taz bits are the Taz
2: bits I fucking. Kidding. He loves the Taz bits. Oh,
3: like
2: they're, they're he, so I don't. Good. I think some of the jokes go over his head, but he just does be f- yeah. like fucking wetting himself
1: laughing. Because the thing is, like I I pop so much for a lot of the Taz lines on live TV, but then I I clearly must miss a load of them as well because I don't remember half of these ones. But anyway,
2: <laughs> did you actually <laughs> last night on uh, Dynamo? Did you notice Excalibur and Shivani giving uh, Taz a load of shit on yeah. during the outbreak for yeah, calling yeah. Moxley
1: wacky? Yes, yes. <laughs> that was like <laughs> I used to. I was a very early adopter of somebody who would watch Dark like it was a podcast. Yeah, because I just wanted to hear um, Taz doing bits <laughs> with with Tony and Excalibur. But anyway, look, let's let let's move on and and talk about some uh some raw here. Uh so yeah, the amount of signs uh really got me. And then first up, again, it's a thing that like I think AEW do very well now. Where if they have somebody that they know as pops quarter hours, that's who's first out on the show. Mm -hmm. There is no coincidence that Orange Cassidy opens so many dynamites. Yeah. Um but the rock Comes out straight away in a fabulously gaudy shirt. Um, we learned the context that he was attacked on Heat, Sunday Night Heat, because this is when they were tr- still trying to make Sunday Heat like it was an A show. Mm-hmm. Um, So they did angles that uh, on it that would play into Raw and this one had The Rock being attacked by show and the other It's so funny because I'd say about six months from now, none of those three men would be caught fucking dead on Sunday Night Heat. No,
2: unless it was the Sunday Night Heat before a pay-per-view. Remember they did them as yeah. the like, one hour countdowns?
1: Yeah, they do them as the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they do like the dark matches on it and stuff, or like one during one of the many periods where Big Show was being punished. <laughs> <laughs> Quite possible. Like what's it's not what's... too long after. Like it's what is it? Early two thousands. Yeah, it's like early mid... two thousand when he gets sent down for being too fat to develop that. Af- right after WrestleMania. Yes, after there was McMahon in every corner, and he
2: does the uh, the parody gimmick. Now he yeah, comes back as the Showster Showkishi. Yeah, all that. Um, God damn. What what did you think of the camera shot after after The Rock is in the ring and they go backstage and take her and show her right at Gorilla?
1: They do some interesting camera stuff. I on, and really like, like that. There's some really, like, I, I actually had written that in my notes where um, I it's been so long since Raw has done interesting things with camera work. Mm-hmm. And these weren't things that, like, I was watching at the time. Like, they were doing these kind of things full-time. And there was a couple of things like this. Like, there was an honest-to-God conversation between two men uh, later on in this show where they were standing opposite each other, not in that weird Mm -hmm. semi-facing-the-camera-talking-to-each-other sort of way. And I was so put off by it because I'm so (laughs) used to people standing like wrestlers having a conversation. But yeah, there was this, like, so he's cutting his promo and it cuts backstage to... um, Taker and Show looking through the curtain
2: and show like, goes to walk up the steps yeah
1: yeah that was interesting and again like, there's also was some sh- some shots of the backstage area where people are coming down the stairs to go out which was like just not a regular thing
2: yeah again like later on before the main event you see show coming down the stairs and you see the sign dressing rooms one and two are up, pointing up and I was like that's like it's it's good like I, stuff like that you don't get that anymore
1: um yeah very unusual um
2: what did so, you think of so it's pretty basic rock promo wasn't it, it really was uh, there.
1: well um so he he does his well it's the big slow and he does one of my favorite demeaning rock impressions which is him doing the impression of big show doing the choke slam pose mm-hmm. the uh, yeah uh all-timer rock uh, especially it's one of the ones that uh, doesn't age like milk uh, yeah, like well, the amount true. of like the surprise the surprising amount of times that he does offensive Asian stereotypes that I had completely suppressed for a oh, long, God. long time. Or
2: the amount of shit that him and Austin would pull on uh, Lillian.
1: Yes, or the things he would describe Kevin Kelly as being. Yes. Uh, yes. Um I one thing I will say about The Rock that is a very fair criticism of his promos. The promos were much more engaging and much more electrifying for want of a better term during his initial run than his kind of cringy uh, comeback run against Cena. But something that has been leveled at him in the past is he was a man who cut promos that got the rock over exclusively to the detriment of the person he was cutting the promo against Mm -hmm. and the truly great wrestling promos. Are somebody that raises all ships. Because if you, again, and it's a very fair thing, if you completely decimate and discredit the person you're cutting a promo against, that you're building the match with, who have you beaten? Mm-hmm. And he was definitely doing, like, this was a big show who, now again, given the impression Big Show making in Stamford, I wouldn't be surprised if some of these lines were fed to The Rock. But it's not something he was just doing against the Big Show.
2: No, no. he did. It, like, he did it everybody. His thing was to belittle people. That's that's what the Rock was all about.
1: And, and it kind of works as a heel because then you kind of you discredit, stay stone cold. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he you get your muffins yeah. he kicks your ass. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like this was Babyface the Rock. So like if if Babyface Rock is telling you that these guys are dog shit, hey, the good guy telling us this guy's dog shit. He must be dog shit. Um and. I feel like that's kind of like sealing Big Show's fate here to a certain extent because he goes all the rocks fans see Big Show come out and say I got to take a leak this guy sucks <laughs> which yeah, like
2: not not great
1: Yeah, because, like, you can see... You can do the thing where you're... Like, he's a big guy, so he's slow and he's stupid. You know, you're doing the... uh, uh, Just like Shane would later do the which way did he go and stuff. But there's ways you can play those tropes of the giant. And then, like, Big Show outsmarts you and wins the match. You know? Um, But this was, like... This is just... He buried him and Big Show didn't get his win back. It feels like we saw for like
2: five years straight, everyone just take the piss out of the big show. Yeah. Like Nash,
1: Hall, Hogan. <laughs> it's kind of incredible with like, and even continuing on past this, with very, very small gaps where he was booked okay, or w- one particular stretch with Paul Heyman, where he was just yeah, gonna I was just going to say,
2: up until the O2 Heyman run.
1: Yeah. Like, most of his WWE career, it's incredible that he was as loyal to that company as he was. Because Mm -hmm. so often he was a laughing stock.
2: He was the butt of every joke, yeah.
1: Yeah. And I'm not saying this guy was just, like, an all-time worker or something like that. But just on a basic level of... He seemed to be a sound guy that got no (laughs) respect or dignity Mm -hmm. for so long. Um show and taker come out and paul bearer is with them um i was worrying for a second that this was going to well worrying and sort of excited for was this raw going to be the driving out to the desert on their motorcycles raw but i think that's no, that was a couple happened. of weeks it was
2: a couple of weeks ago, yeah
1: yeah it was in between the last night the last raw we covered in this one sadly yeah, that, that's when they formed the unholy alliance yes um so rock stands his ground as a babyface he's not going to bail on the two guys but they beat him down then Xbox comes in which which apparently for everybody this is return he had had a suspected concussion and he's back now um, he's out then I wrote Road Dog is out for some reason because I guess like the, the DX men are still loosely affiliated even though Billy Gunn, Triple H, and China are all off doing their thing.
2: Yeah, so Triple H left the night after WrestleMania. Him and yeah. China were in the Corporation. Then Billy left sometime around. I want to say Fully Loaded. It, Probably a little yeah. bit earlier, maybe. Was it before or after King of the Ring? It was just before, I think, because didn't he beat X Pac in King of the Ring? And that kind of I think it would have been right after he won. He
1: fully left and turned heel. So King of the Rings, yeah, started the summer. So this is so like h- him, August. him, uh,
2: X Pac and Road Dog were like the last two remnants. Yeah, did, uh, actually, um, didn't didn't they do China and Billy against Road Dog and X Pac for the DX name? Oh, they might have. I think they did. That does
1: sound familiar. Yeah. Um so Rod Dog comes out. What's really funny is that in this frantic moment where there's two monsters either side of him, he tries to do the shake, rattle and roll, which involves a long period of dancing in between strikes and it allows I can't remember, I think it was Big Show he was doing the shake, rattle and roll to it allows him to completely recover and Undertaker was just standing there the whole time and they just beat the shit out of him. <laughs> and then third time's a charm, the actual backup comes in the form of Kane. Mm-hmm. Um and one thing I wrote at the end of this when they finally cleared the heels out of the place is as much as it was a stable that absolutely outstayed its welcome and came back way too many times killed all the nostalgia people had for it the DX music rules. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. I like I am I I think I said on this show before I am much more the 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 king of rock uh remix guy, but mm. Even the original DX music, just that bass line is just so god God goddamn good. You you can't watch it on a show and not go. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. It's great. Uh, A limo pulls up. Everyone assumes it's Jesse Ventura because we know he's going to be here tonight on Raw. Door opens. It's not Jesse Ventura. It's pilled up Shawn Michaels. (laughs) (laughs) Straight from the pharmacy. Pupils fucking erupting out of his head as he came out. But Jesus... A fine head of hair on the man, I have to say. He's no Nick
2: Jackson at this point, I'll give him that.
1: Yeah, the the hair had not started to go by a long shot. It was it was luscious, it was voluminous. It was, <laughs> as a long hairsman myself, I was very impressed by the, the body it had.
2: Where else are you going to get
1: Shawn Michaels hair discussion? I tell you, and if it wasn't for the fact that he was fucking zonked out of his brain, the... Uh, the, the, the long flowing hair beard look was working for a, an older Shawn Michaels. You know, mm-hmm. I think in 1999, if the man was wrestling, like, you know, uh, it would have been an unbelievable look. Um, It's it, like it just something about the stubble says this is attitude here, a heartbreak kid. Like, uh, but it was actually just he's uh, out of his fucking gourd heartbreak. kid. <laughs> nobody wanted to give him a razor just in case. Yeah, we get the first of two. Count them two commercials for Stonecold.com. Did you ever go on any of those superstar pages? No, never. I did. They were awful. I remember noticing them start to pop because it was a while in 2000 where they started putting them in the lower thirds. But they did. Undertaker would come out and it would say undertaker.com. Mm-hmm. And shit like that never went. What were they like? Ah, just like flashing image like
2: photos and think of like a 90s website. That's what they were.
1: Yeah, would it like also play uh, like an eight bit version of yeah, the nice song. Tune? Yeah, yeah 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 just so bad. yeah I kind of like that um yeah the 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 ads were really cringy um Xbox and Kane backstage reunited and they challenged the acolytes for the belts tonight Singles match next uh Christian versus gangrel uh Christian's oh. music is as bad as Gangrels is good I have written. Okay, Dave. Let's have a discussion. Okay. Who, in
2: 2023, decided to uh, renew their career by returning to their brood roots?
1: I, I know what... Are you trying to lead me down a path here? Yeah, I am. You want me to say Edge? Yeah, it's Edge. Okay, yeah.
2: So, this is summer of 1999. When did the brood begin?
1: Oh... I don't know. Like late 98? Late 98. They're still together in... At Mania. They are. Because they're involved in the worst Hell in a Cell match of all time. They are.
2: But they're broken up by midsummer at the very latest of yeah,
1: 1999. Yeah. It was a very brief period of time and they weren't good. Yes. Apart and yet, from the theme song. And yet you have these fucking idiots
2: huh? pining for Brood Edge. Brood Edge,
1: Dave. Brood Edge is the funniest thing of all time. I he think.
2: came out as Brood Edge, a character he portrayed for all of six months. That was no different to previous Edge or Edge yeah. that followed after.
1: I uh, did the new Brood last nearly as long.
2: No, Jesus,
1: no. The new yeah, Brood lasted until the No Mercy match. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So what, three months? The Terry Invitational Tournament. You yes, mean. well, I didn't. I didn't yeah. Um, respect on that woman's
2: name, please. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just wanted to say, like, here we are in August of ninety nine and we're getting Christian against Gangrel. Yeah. Fuck all them idiots. Music is great, though, isn't it? Oh, it's so good. Like, it's so, it's, so, it's, so, it's good. so
1: disproportionately good for how fucking bang average. God bless Gangrel.
2: Also, it was Gangrel's music, Fang- not the fucking broods.
1: Yeah. Fangin' and bangin' love it it. (laughs) man lived literally I think the dream of every man who was like a teenager and adult in the 90s he was a professional wrestler while there was money in that and then he just went straight into porn
2: (laughs) and still makes money doing
1: professional wrestling conventions he might be the most 90s man because as well, he had a vampire gimmick when, like, Buffy was on TV. So, he like, did. he was... Oh, it was so 90s. It was so 90s. He, he married an alternative woman Luna. Yes. Ah, oh, what a man. I love as well, right? So there's two things about this... Uh, about this entrance that rock apart from the music, right? And it's firstly, the underrated part of Gangrel's entrance is the Gangrel strut. Oh, yeah. The bounce. Gang- Gangrel struts like a man who is not Gangrel. (laughs) He struts like in his head. He's hearing the World Wrestling Federation champion, Gangrel. (laughs) Do
2: you not get the impression that that man made it by just getting this far?
1: Oh, look. Do you know, I don't want to say stealing a living because he wasn't terrible in the ring. No, he wasn't. He he was fine. Like, he was kind of like, he was part of this mid-card of guys who were just like exceptionally good hands for the time like you know val Venus always had that rep where he was just mm-hmm. like he's an unbelievable hand in the ring just like never breaking out of a certain level because of his like his gimmick or whatever else uh and also him being an insane man now uh in val Venus's case um i feel like that's the yeah that's the gangrel thing as a guy who watched a lot of him on metal and shotgun <laughs> i thought he was he was pretty decent Impaler DDT rocks. The other thing I love about his entrance here is that immediately when the bell rings, you can hear fire extinguishers trying to put out the fire on the <laughs> ramp from his entrance. Like, literally, ding, 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 and you hear the... <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> God bless WW, yeah, 1999 WWF and their, their high production values. Yeah.
1: um, You're going to hear a lot of this... um on this show because this is kind of the raw formula at the time things happen of varying qualities for 90 seconds on this show this particular 90 seconds in this match was pretty good yeah it was it was
2: pretty, pretty decent
1: but what happens is a match will happen for 90 seconds and either it will be it'll be one of three things it'll be pretty good it'll be pretty bad or it'll be fucking boring and then the angle happens somebody runs out yeah yeah So this goes for 90 seconds and it's pretty good. Uh, Then the Hardys come out. Uh, What I love about this is like you see the level the Hardys are pitched at at this point because uh, Christian does a plancha to the outside and takes out both of them quite easily in about five seconds uh, which I found very funny. Um, Then uh, he walks back into the ring into into blood sprayed in his face. Uh, an Implant DDT and the win. Then Edge comes out to stop the beatdown. I will say, was it one of the better spears Edge ever hit? Yes, it was. <laughs> it actually now, not, looked not, like...
2: Not quite as good as the spear we'll discuss on Nitro later on. Yes. But yeah, no, it was a good good spear.
1: A good spear. Like, on the Edge scale, it's probably in his top 5 or 10% of spears ever. Like, it actually looked like an impactful move, which he mm-hmm. never does. Um... So he fails to stop the beatdown, and then, of course, who's going to come and and help? Uh, Michael Hayes comes out to talk sense into the Hardies. Yes, dressed dressed as the Tord Hardy. If you had forgotten inexplicably, <laughs> Michael Hayes managed the Hardies, and like he said, dressed like them. Um, and this got the exact the the the, the Hardies then turn on the former Doc Hendricks. And this is greeted with absolute silence. No one gave a shit. And this was a hot Attitude Era crowd. And it was silence. Um, So Dave, I
2: I have a question. Are you now going to be pining for Brood uh, Brood Maherdy
1: in AEW? Obviously. Obviously. Well, that's the thing. That's why they're bringing Edge in, I'm sure. Because you get Gangrel in there and you can just have the United Brood for the first time. The United Brood. Yeah. In Blood and Guts against the BCC. (laughs) BCC versus the UB. Bucket, Tony. Bucket. Do you think... There's actually a decent chance that with the exception of Christian, who's obviously still an excellent professional wrestler, number two on your list of people that could still go in 2023. It's a toss-up that Gangrel is in with a shout of being number two on that list. Yeah, it's Gangrel or Edge. Yeah. And if Edge's output in AEW is anything like it is in WWE, then that second spot is definitely open for competition. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think either Hardy Brother is getting near it. No, God no. Um Fuck. so I, I love as well that this uh is treated with such apathy by the crowd um that Gorilla Vince just says, just hit the music, end the segment. So <laughs> their music starts playing. That's like the get out of there, get out of there. Um so they leave. Uh, we go backstage. to the Acolytes. Farouk and Bradshaw accept the challenge. Uh, they call X-Pac a chihuahua and say that even The Undertaker and the Big Baboon can't beat them. There's not one person who isn't sticking a boot into Big Show on yeah, this program. there's so
2: many people taking shots at Big Show on this show.
1: <laughs> it's so rough, man. It's so rough. I feel so bad for him. Um, then we get, tremendously entertaining, The Rock's Chef Boyardee commercial. Yes, we did. A fabulous slice of, like, I don't know if you were a WWF magazine purchaser back in the day. No, Jesus, never. Uh, When I, again, it was probably, like, our relative ages that, like, when WWF magazine was really easy to get over here, I was the right age for Mm -hmm. it. And you could not move for for the Chef Boyardee. It was Chef Boyardee and the Dare to be Drink Aware or, the, or also there was, oh, there was the tobacco was wacko if you're a teen ads. Oh, Jesus. They, uh, those were the three staples. The thing I loved about the WWF magazine is that because it was the decent quality glossy magazine paper, every month had an A4 size pay-per-view poster for the oh, next okay. month's pay-per-view. So, I had on my wall, like, a string of all the cool pay-per-view posters from, like, ninety nine 2000, and up oh to 2001. It's, so, like, including the, like, and I loved it. It's one that I'd probably get framed on the wall if I had a proper good high-quality one. You remember the one of the Royal Rumble 2001 poster? Yes. Yes, where they are, like, the painted impressions of them all kind of, mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a really good poster, man. <laughs> um. Where were we? Oh, yes. The Chef Boyardee commercial. Proper slice of late 90s, early 2000s. Nostalgia. The, the extra stuffed ravioli. Yeah, don't be a jabroni,
2: EP for ravioli.
1: Yeah, there was such a, like, Chef Boyardee were proper in bed with WWF um, mm-hmm. for a long time around this period. Uh, we get a huge reception for Jesse the Body Ventura coming out to speak with the king. Also, so, J- Jesse Ventura's music is a bop. It is a bop. And Jesse as well, so for context, has just, as he would say himself, shocked the world and been elected governor of Minnesota not too long before this uh, return to WWF after, uh, should we he, call it bad blood for want of... Uh, he, he sued more... Vince for a lot of money. Yes, yeah. Him <laughs> and Vince never been big fans of one another.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, was... Th- there was the whole thing of Hogan ratting out Jesse for trying to start a union. Yeah then Jesse sued Vince for all his royalties that he was due. Yeah. And uh, as as is with Vince, he actually respected Jesse for actually suing him and brought him
1: back. Yeah. Uh, Jesse is in that long line of people that people swore when he mm-hmm. finished with Vince. Never going to appear on WWF TV again. That was that true maxim of when Vince was in charge that there is no line someone can cross that Vince wouldn't eventually do business with you. He brought Jarrett back. He brought Warrior back. He brought Jesse back. He would bring anyone back. He tried to bring except, back. I was gonna say except Phil Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nobody wants Phil Brooks. It's so funny. Like I think one of the things that's underrated about that story of him getting kicked out of the building when he when he went to that Raw taping was what a stooge triple h is that he was so afraid vince would get mad that he got security to escort punk out of the building rather than ask him to leave himself the like. old man
2: the old man says no
1: yeah yeah
2: actually so did you did you see that story about
1: to the end about vince at the uh all staff meeting with the cane yeah yeah I mean, like, if he didn't look like a silent movie villain already enough with that stupid fucking mustache and the shoe polish dye, having a cane as well. Now, I know he's just had serious back surgery, and I, less than half his age, would probably need a cane after serious back surgery. But yeah, it doesn't. For somebody who would only portray himself as invincible when being viewed by people in public, like, it is mad that he would willingly be seen with a cane.
2: But you see, they recorded it as if it was a live show. Oh, no. And he... Oh, he, he made the uh, all the staff clap for him. Like, they were a crowd. Oh, proud. God.
1: Like, when he does that thing where he... Oh, I like, am Vince Beckman, damn it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's... It's fucking weird. It's genuinely embarrassing, isn't it? Yeah. Um. So, and Jesse yeah. comes out. Um. Here's the thing I was going to say. So, he's been elected governor of Minnesota. And here's the th- thing. For whatever you want to say, like, people... People will talk about how he, he wasn't a very good wrestler, right? He wasn't. He wasn't a very good wrestler. But one, the charisma of the man cannot be denied.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And two, something that it makes so much sense that this man was put in commentary when he was because I think it's a top five speaking voice in the history of professional wrestling. His speaking voice is great. It has that timber. To it of like just professional broadcaster.
2: I just uh, yeah, I just associate his voice with wrestling. Yeah, it's yeah, it's that. I've never really thought of it that way. Yeah, I've not, never never really thought of it that way. But you're right. It's that just. It's perfect for re- for pro wrestling.
1: And one of those in the in the the canon of like Dusty Roads and people like that. He's on the list of people that whenever he comes up in a story, people have to do the voice because the yes. voice is so distinctive. But anyway, he says he's got three points to make about why he was the, named the referee for SummerSlam uh, for the world title match. He says, number one, I was a wrestling champion. People forget that. Number two. I was the first referee at a SummerSlam, because even then he says something about like I could put down the law or I, you know, he, I knew the rules or yeah. He he refereed yes. the first main event, for SummerSlam main event, uh,
2: Hogan yes. and Hogan and Beefcake, wasn't it? Against Zeus so. and no, it wasn't. It was Hogan and Savage against the uh, Mega That oh, was that yeah, was the first yeah. one.
1: Um, and then point number three, in a direct shot to, who knows, he was legitimately a Navy SEAL. Not like all these people that go around pretending to have been in the army.
2: <laughs> hmm <laughs> We should say Jesse then spends the next two to three minutes uh, taking shots at all of his enemies.
1: Yes. This is definitely a Jesse Ventura addresses his enemies, including Vince. Yes. <laughs> But you know, here's the thing that we all know about Vince as well is that Vince did get tickled sometimes by people lighting him up on TV. And it's weird because like he wouldn't let people do it all the time but sometimes he was kind of into it. Like um, the Heyman the promo, yeah. The Heyman promo was the most infamous I mm-hmm. i like, gonna make me money! <laughs> <laughs> if you've never seen Paul Heyman tell the story of uh, that infamous promo the background it's fantastic um I don't think anyone else on earth would ever get away with like even mentioning Vince's father on television Mm -hmm. let alone all the other stuff he says (laughs) but yeah just a a weird man for sometimes like you can't say anything bad about Vince but sometimes he really wants you to stick the boot in um so where am I here oh yes he said he is the only one um WWF could only call him to lay down the authority to crown a new WWF champion he calls Vince, and I quote a scumbag <laughs> in this, and then Triple H comes out, and we mentioned it last time we did a, night, uh, a Knights of Nitro Raw crossover, but we've already mentioned one all-timer wrestling team on this show actually two, Gangrel and DX um, my time is right up there I do enjoy my time. But I think it's because it was around
2: not very long. That's why I like it yeah,
1: so much. He had like tw- nearly 25 years of time to play the game. Yeah. Um, for a I man got- who like plumbed the depths of what little nostalgia existed for him, it's kind of surprising he never went back to my time. Well, see, going back to teams is only a new thing that they've started doing. Yeah. But you remember, because oh, he went back to, like they did, obviously they brought they used King, evolution King of Kings in, yeah. every now and again and
2: that's what they used as the alternative for Triple H um,
1: as a suit boy
2: I don't know if we talked about this last time but it was only when I was watching watching the show back I kind of thought about it it was a really big deal to give Triple H a SummerSlam main event yeah like a really big vote of confidence
1: this was they were pushing this guy to the moon
2: like if I remember correctly, he beat be Rocky in a strap match to win the number one contendership, I think, at Fully Loaded. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um I guess it's a thing where like circumstance kind of dictated it as well because They'd just done take Rock her. Rock had turned back babyface. Mm-hmm. Foley was obviously a, a made babyface for life by this point. Yeah.
2: Well uh, they they had done the Foley heel stuff post Mania. Yeah. And then they did take her to follow it up.
1: I think it was even a thing, though. Like, now, this is my recollection. I haven't watched this TV in a long time, but they were he was being portrayed as a heel. But people still liked him too much. Yes, they were. He was he was never getting the top heel energy ever again um, by 99. So you kind of on the heel side in terms of main event heels at this point, it was just take her.
2: Well, like I said, they, they just don't take her. Austin. Yeah, they obviously had no fate in show. Yeah, uh, Shamrock was fully a face at this point, so and they weren't going to give and, him a heel. And on his toward. way out the door. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there, there really wasn't, and we know Austin wasn't working with Jarrett.
1: Yeah. And well, and Jarrett's contract was coming up as well two weeks later. Yeah. So.
2: Um. Yeah, there, there really wasn't anyone else, but I do think it was kind of a sign of right. But we got to push this guy.
1: Yeah. And they did. And this is the thing is like at the time when they were firing on all cylinders during the Attitude Era, when they decided to go with someone, they they fucking went with them. Mm -hmm. They fucking went with them. Um, And they really did with Triple H. And he, again, it's so funny. He feels more genuinely big time in this segment than he did during like his reign of terror a few years later oh, where oh. they're trying to make you think this guy is Harley Race.
2: I, I really thought he was great on the mic here. Like opposite yeah. opposite uh, Jesse.
1: Dude I'll say it to blue in the face. Like the run from like early to mi- early to mid 99 all the way up till the quad tear. This guy was killing it. He, he was got good. he understood it. He knew what he was. He knew what he was. It was before he was doing the long promos to start the show but it was getting genuine heat at the time. Mm. You know, and it wasn't just like tropey, not getting heat bullshit. And he was very good in the ring. Like, people Mm -hmm. forget that because of how long he's not been good. And also, I think, you know, the WWE brainworms people really over egg how good latter day Triple H is, where like he might have won two good matches a year, if Mm -hmm. that, towards the end of his career. He was nothing like the the ninety-nine two thousand triple H could work circles around this guy. Um he was I I really liked him. I really like I hated him, but I liked him because of it. Yes. Um and yeah, he he feels really big time here and he was great on the mic. He says that uh Jesse is stuck in the 70s. He doesn't care if he was at the president, doesn't care who he is. If I feel like kicking your ass, I will. Then Sean comes out and he said Triple H, don't forget, Jesse the Body has standards and practices he must adhere to. I don't though. Uh then you get to see you. You had said in our um in our Discord channel that you see the many faces of Shawn Michaels tonight, mm-hmm. and one of them was here when he forgot the name of the company he worked for, uh, and you had to look for Jesse. And go World Wrestling Federation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It was the little <laughs> for Wrestling Federation. Is that it? <laughs> like, it was a real yeah, wrong Sean, moment. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he
2: really gets all garbled looks- mouth. He's like, yeah, sorta,
1: and he looks oh, at Jesse, he's like, uh... <laughs> lying. Uh, he said, it, "This you say this ring is your world, but don't forget, I brought you into it. Uh, Triple H shoves him. Sean takes his jacket off. And Sean is still jacked, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um it looks like he's ready to go. And this is another thing as well as like, I had kind of forgotten. Like, I, cause I was so hyped when he came back in 2002. I've talked about this so many times and not even just on this podcast. I brought it up on, I was just on the must see matches podcast talking about the X7 main event. And Sean came up in that. I was talking about like the 2002 return. I was so plugged in and so hyped for him. But like Sean left right when the company got nuclear hot. Like, he, he he had to retire. And it's such a sliding doors thing. Like, what would Sean through 98 and 99 have looked like? But you could tell by the crowd reaction when he took his jacket off that want, this guy would to, have... Yeah. They would have... the the rating or the buy rate this would have done if he could have come back 99 or 2000 would have been through the roof
2: there's a reason they spent 4 years
1: teasing the triple h match yeah yeah god that match anyway right we're going to I'm going to go down a wheel of nostalgia there for how much mm-hmm. I love that match maybe my 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 last like proper high high rated triple h match of all time
2: I hate that I was like an hour away from that match. Could, could you didn't go to it? I couldn't. I was 16.
1: Yeah. Such a shame. I hate it. Um, so he takes his jacket off. Jesse breaks up the fight. He whispers in Sean's ear. Sean says, great idea from the body. It's going to be Austin versus Undertaker versus Triple H tonight. And I was very confused because I had already copied and pasted the card for tonight down and I had forgotten what happens next. And I was like, What? Um, yeah. so then we get a teaser for one of our for what's gonna be our next crossover across the brand, brands. the uh Smackdown season debut is coming at the end of August um
2: we're we doing so doing another summer think. cast for that one
1: yeah Yeah, I think we'll do the or even maybe a standalone of the the debut of Smackdown because now Thunder has competition. I think it's an interesting one to talk about historically. We get a little skit with uh, D'Lo jogging with Mark Henry. They're doing this thing where like the two of them are buds and uh, Dilo is Eurocontinental champion at the time. Uh, He's helping Mark Henry get in shape. Very funny. Helping an Olympian get in shape. Um, Goes into the woods uh, to take a leak. Uh, Jeff Jarrett hops out of a car and batters D'Lo, and then runs away. Yep. Um, then we have ah yes the singles match Jeff Jarrett versus Val Venus. A bunch of men dressed in bras have a sign saying that they'll show theirs if Deborah will show hers, and she acknowledges them repeatedly through her entrance, and uh, much to the chagrin of Jeff. 1999, everybody. Mm-hmm. Then the Porn Man comes out. Uh, Who'd have thought the Porn Man would be the least problematic man in this match? Indeed. Uh, he barely manages to get his Hello Ladies out before Jeff jumps him. Um, JR, JR, in the most vague, there's something happening, but I am not going to tell you about it because I want you to keep tuned in for the next segment. He goes, we've just got a, an update from backstage that something happened. We have no details. <laughs> <laughs> they spend the whole time in this match talking about it. something's happening. I'm hearing I'm hearing reports. Apparently these reports have no detail, though. Uh, absolutely nothing happens in this match. Um, Deborah gets up to distract. Jeff nearly takes her out. Uh, Val wins with a blue thunder bomb. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> Did not know he had that in the locker. Don't remember that. Um, Val returns to uh, to help Deborah because she's getting berated in the ring by Jeff because Jeff is doing the uh, I'm a massive sexist gimmick Mm -hmm. Uh, we go to the back and Austin is dead
2: (laughs) not for the last time in 1999 Steve Austin is dead in the backstage area
1: (laughs) a man has been fucking killed stone dead at the bottom of the stairs what I find hilarious is a bunch of medics and referees come to check on him, and somebody goes he must have tripped, and literally in the same shot while they're saying this, you could see a cinder block shattered beside his head it's like, Coincidence. he must he must have tripped and fell down the stairs and gone face first into this cinder block uh Sean comes out to the ring weirdly, he's put his jacket back on, but took his shirt off
2: yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Steve, so Shawn Michaels was backstage shirtless. <laughs> Do
1: you know what I think actually happened? I think this guy was enjoying himself all night and forgot he had a middle segment in between his initial segment and refereeing the match. So I think he was changing, and so when Shawn, what the fuck are you doing? You have to go back out, and he's like, oh, I just need the blazer. <laughs> again though in incredible shape incredible shape incredible shape Um, so he blames Triple H and again here's the thing running through his career Austin dead backstage segments Triple H responsible for heinous attacks on people backstage in segments I
2: did we kind of skipped over I did love Triple H on I'm going what happened
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was pretty good the, the In innocence <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was painful, very well done but it was like yeah yeah it was supposed to be disingenuous and it was very very good so he comes out and uh, yeah, he blames Triple H Triple H comes out and he says you know what the triple threat match is now false count anywhere and I'm putting your number one contendership at SummerSlam on the line Triple H fucking loses it and he says do you know what as well I'm going to be the special guest referee I, I thought Sean was lost here. He kept yeah.
2: stumbling over his words. He kept losing track of where he needed to go. Yeah. Um, I thought Triple H did well getting him back on track. going, Well, who's the third person in the match?
1: Yeah. He has this big smile on his face. He's like, I think you saw him go off in the ambulance as well, Chief. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, um, yes, but we're going to name a replacement. And as soon as he says replacement, this crowd are... Buzzing, and the China chants start. Mm-hmm. So I can't remember how long they've been laying it on that she was going to turn on him. Mm-hmm. But well, it's she clearly torn, a- torn previously. Yes, 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 yes. I recall. Yeah, I vaguely recall that. Um. So as soon as he says it's going to be replaced, people are chanting for China. Mm. Hmm. She so was incredibly over. And like that. She was. And he's like, who could I possibly pick? Who would stab their own mother in the back for one chance? And when he says China, the pop is enormous. Mm-hmm. And I love Triple H's reaction as well. was like, nah. Yeah. nah. It's,
2: it's like, it's like <laughs> some, okay, okay, you've had your phone. We're not putting China in the match. Who's and the twerk guy? Ha-
1: I have to say, China sells this. Brilliantly, mm-hmm. like he says, China, and for a moment she's shocked, but her face lights up. Mm-hmm. She's like, she has that realization that this is this is the chance to be like she could be the World Wrestling Federation champion. And then he's when he's in the middle, like is nah. <laughs> he just goes, she's just a girl, and her face fucking changes. Yes. And then she just takes the microphone off of it and says, I accept. But Sean stood all over her line. Um, and then she said she looks Triple H up and down and says, just a woman. Try me. Which is great. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, we'll talk about the book and the match in a while. But they really should have had like her just fucking whipping his ass in this. But I guess like this is 1999. They weren't going to have Triple H look weak against a woman. That was I, I have no doubt the mindset with the way they booked this main event, but we'll talk about it in a bit. Uh backstage Triple H in China continue to argue. He's saying it came out wrong because he's realized he's fucked now. Um then we get our WWF World Tag Team title match, the Acolytes versus Kane and Xbox. Mash up entrance for Xbox. Yes. Yes. Um a little insight into nineteen ninety nine, Dave. Fucking loved the Kane and Xbox. Oh, it was so good. It was so good. The world was robbed of a long run of green cane. Um, and now we have blue cane on the Indies. Yes, sadly. Um, big sign here saying the Nick, whoever that is, fears sick boy. Big sick boy fans here on Monday Night Raw. Uh, Kane absolutely batters Bradshaw early in the match. Bradshaw hits a hard Irish whip into the corner. The acolytes isolate Kane. I noticed a limp biscuit sign. Uh, X-Pac was a great hot tag guy. Comes in, runs wild until Farouk rings his bell with a spine buster. I love the Farouk spine buster. Hit an almighty spine buster. Kane hot tag. Uh, Bradshaw and Kane start brawling outside. X-Pac goes up for the Dominator but slips out. X-Factor and we've got new champions. Um... I love that they won, they got a huge reaction but I feel like the post-match people weren't allowed to drink in the moment because they had to shoot about 46 angles (laughs) in 30 seconds (laughs) so they go to cut a promo and Pac, uh, Pac says if you ain't down with that, Kane's got two words for you and he goes to use the voice box and Kane uh Xbox takes it off and says, You don't need that anymore. Or is it Dog took it off? And- no, it's
2: uh, Xbox took it off.
1: Oh, it's Xbox, yeah. So he takes takes off and says, You don't need that anymore. And Kane does the suck it. It's the first time he's spoken. Spoken
2: uh, without the voice box.
1: Yeah. Um Big Show and Undertaker come out then, jump them and beat them down. So we get two moments where they were going to celebrate and then interrupted by angles. That's a shame. Uh then we get GTV Hell yeah I didn't forget GTV but I forgot that GTV had theme music (laughs) Yes it did Um, Billy Gunn is on a table he is getting a massage Mm -hmm. and the masseuse puts salad on what she describes as his robust buttocks
2: (laughs) I thought she called it his money maker
1: No he called it his money Oh he did so okay She described it as his robust buttocks (laughs) I mean, she's not wrong. We saw a lot of it on this show. I mean, it's 1999. We saw his ass every So much. Game. So he was Mr. Ass. Still is, I guess. Um, tag team match up next. i talk about a galaxy of stars. <laughs> Ken Shamrock and Test versus Joey Abs and Steve Blackman.
2: So before the match, we got the... Uh... The highlight footage of Test taking out the Mean Tree posse one by one.
1: Yep, we're great, doing the. Great um, stuff. We're doing the angle where Test and Steph are besotted, betrothed, in love, and uh, Shane McMahon is not happy about this and is trying to take out Test repeatedly using his goons. <laughs> and uh, Test has now been, yeah, he has basically crippled. Pete Gass and Rodney <laughs> over last week, over the last few weeks, and Joey Abs is the only one left, as we was, all predicted.
2: It was Rodney had the broken arm, Pete Gass had like the broken chest, or so he did, fucked him yeah. up somehow. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so basically, Joey Abs is the last remaining blockage before he gets to Shane.
1: Shane was on commentary for this, and he was unacceptably annoying for the <laughs> couple of minutes he was on here. Uh, Remember,
2: Shane McMahon, the, about- the voice of WWF video games at this point.
1: Yeah, WWF Attitude co-commentator. Mm-hmm. Um, Another top 10 of all time theme song, Ken, Ken Shamrock. Shamrock. Yes.
2: Still on play- playlist now. If I want something to get me hyped, Ken
1: Shamrock's music. It, it, it's kind of a shame that like it was given to him because he left in <laughs> 99. That like, it should have been with somebody that stayed for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. Or just given to somebody. Like, I don't know who it would work with. Like, immediately the person that used to come to mind was like, who would have been great with his music would have been Benoit. Mm, but yeah, yeah. again, <laughs> equally, we wouldn't be able to use that music anymore. <laughs> um, Yeah. Love Ken Shamrock. Uh, yeah. What a man. Um, And a guy who, for there was a brief window there where he could have quite credibly been WWF he, champion. He,
2: he may have entered the pay-per-view. Yep.
1: Yeah. It's not uh, he's not there right now. He that is not what he's doing at Summerslam 99, let no, me tell you. we'll get to that in a few minutes. Uh this match sta- uh, this match got my biggest laugh on the whole show because this match starts with Joey Abs trying to stand and throw punches with Ken Shamrock <laughs> <laughs> goes very poorly for him the lack of respect Blackman has to come in and bail him out Shane sneak attacks test um, Shane keeps distracting him and being very annoying on commentary until Shamrock's just like ah Joe I've had enough and absolutely beans him with a kendo stick
2: I actually thought that was very good because Shane had the chair and Shamrock beans like he said beans the chair with the kendo stick and Shane sends a flying into the ring which plays into the finish
1: yeah uh, test then beats joey off a pump ham- handle slam uh test then points up the ramp at shane who is retreating and then pilmanizes joey abs's ankle repeatedly uh yes repeatedly so that is uh all three of the mean street posse hospitalized now at the hands of test um next segment i wrote poor jane the seamstress billy gunn got his arse out for her um that that is the seamstress, isn't it? Yes. I recognise her, yeah. yeah. Um, she was there, f- there learned... for many years. Oh, this. she was until like relatively recently, mm. I think. Um we find out that he has poison ivy on his arse from the salad leaves. Um that and he was wearing a nice lacy number under his jocks. <laughs> um Rock is on his way out. Uh Tess has a an interview with Cole. He says, all him and Steph want us to be left alone. He's pretty fired up in this. And he says, there's no one left now between me and you, Shane. And there was like, God, if, if test would like ever had put it together during this period where they thought about pushing him, like if he actually could have been pretty good in the ring, like he probably would have made it. but nah, they killed him dead with the, the yeah. Steph triple H stuff. Yeah. Um, so Blackman, then. Oh, this was the bit where it was it was Blackman talking backstage. Mm-hmm. I can't remember who it is is interviewing him. Terry Taylor. Oh, it was Terry Taylor? Yeah. So the two of them are standing, but not facing the camera. They're literally facing as if you and I were having a conversation, and the camera just happens to be there. And I was so weirded out by it. it was like they were standing like normal people talking. Uh, really strange. Um, but he says, "I will step into the lion's den," which must have been a challenge Shamrock had laid down before this Raw. And he goes, but I will only do it on my terms. And that's if there's weapons hanging around the ring. So SummerSlam 99, Lion's Den, it's on. Lion's Den weapons um, match. Mm. Uh, it's time for the segment that we did this show for. The Rock is out, talks shit on the big show. And then the Millennium Clock strikes zero, Lee. And Chris Jericho comes out. One thing I I always forget, because if I watch this moment, it's usually like the YouTube version which has compressed sound, so if you watch this on the network version, or if you have a decent version recorded yourself, as soon as the clock starts to count down, you can hear Jericho chants. Mm -hmm. Um, I
2: I, I don't know what you have to say on this, but I thought from the moment the countdown clock begins, like mid-promo, I loved everything about this. Um, mm-hmm. I'd love that it didn't go at 10. It started at 15. You get that little bit, yeah. extra bit of anticipation. Mm-hmm. You get the pyro and then you get the time Another all-timer theme song. Yeah, and then like you get the pyro, the flashing lights, and then the lights go
1: Yeah. And that that moment, that roar as soon as the word Jericho, Jericho appears on the, the screen. Oh my
2: God, it's an all-timer. If, if you'd never gone back and watched it, there, yeah. like, we we talked about it. People knew there was a lot of people that knew, but go back to when Punk debuted in AW. Everybody knew that why they were there, yeah. but until they actually come out, you you always you have that sure
1: You knew, but you're not sure.
2: And yeah. it was the same with Jericho. And as soon as Jericho pops up on that tron, my god, did they lose it.
1: But it's also I, I'm like, here's a thing is like, I'm going to praise the WWF at one hand and then slap them down with the other. Because Jericho was a guy who was firmly slotted in the middle of the mid-card in WCW. Much as he was getting himself over way more than his slot. Mm -hmm. And I think people would have absolutely been up for him being pushed further up the card. But the perception of him on national TV this whole time has been mid-carder. In one night, you could have made a top guy here. It's just that they didn't follow up on him for his pretty much his entire first run in the company. Well. And look, he says himself that, it was it was a yes, lot
2: self inflicted.
1: Yes. Yes. It's not all their fault. And the thing is, if you were around at the time, as we both were, there were a few occasions. Where they teased going with him. Mm-hmm. And people wanted it.
2: He was on the original WrestleMania 16 poster. It was yes. him, not Foley.
1: They did the dusty finish. Mm-hmm. With him beating Triple H on Raw. Which is still one of the loudest pops you will ever hear on a Raw. When he beat Triple H. Um, And it's one of those dusty finishes that like. I mean we all trash some dusty finishes. No, but they, they, they went one. through a
2: break with this one. It was so good.
1: It was so good. If they had followed that, like if they had followed that, giving the Triple H the belt back to Triple H, with Jericho actually getting a shot and winning the title, then it would have all been worth it. And again, you would have made the guy. But this guy oozed superstar in this segment. The segment you could argue, and I will hear the the argument that it maybe went a little too long. It did, and because it went a little too long. I feel like he tried to get a few more catchphrases up and running than he maybe should have in one go. Yeah, um, I'll give you that.
2: He took a few too many close to the best shots at the whole company. Yes. And he probably should have kind of edited, edited himself a little. Yeah.
1: But you, you get it first night in excitement, trying mm-hmm. to make a name for yourself. Fair enough. The main pot shot I will take at this segment is once again, I will slate him for the exact same thing I slated him last time he was out in the ring talking about a wrestler on this show. For all the work they did to make this a genuine superstar debut, which they did do, The Rock just immediately poo-poos him. (laughs) And if you have like arguably your top baby face now or your 1B baby face behind Austin, if you have him poo-poo, this guy, then that's a, that's a message, yeah as we, we to fans
2: we, we just talked about it. they had no top heels, yeah. Like Billy Gunn is facing Rock, uh, SummerSlam, yeah. This was a, this was a guy that they had every chance to bring in and be a kind of top of the card worker, um, that's actually another thing. Jericho is the first jump from WCW to WWE WWF. That really raised the level of the WWF for me. Yeah. He, he Like, I think if you went and looked at the average match time of a raw match in 1999 compared to 2000. Yeah. It has to be night and day. Like, Jericho yep. is the first, I don't want to call super worker, but he's definitely a guy that they could try out there and say, here's 12 minutes, go do something. Instead of Christian and Gangrel getting, what, three and a half, two, mm. two and a half, maybe.
1: Yeah. I think, like, it would go up. The level of work would obviously go up much higher when the Radicals arrived. Angle being a fucking once in a generation. An yeah, but I really think one of the things that was important about the Jericho jump was... I think there was a lot of people in WCW watching the other How channel it that night. Portrayed. It's the thing people keep saying about, like, when Cody went to WWE, it was so important that they protected him because now it shows other guys that are maybe thinking of leaving AEW that they won't be buried. Now
2: they probably just won't get
1: hired now. Yeah, now they probably won't get hired. But at the time, mm-hmm. when it was a real war of like, we want people to like tease people away from the other company, it was really important to do that. And I think Jericho, as maybe the first man over the over the line of demarcation in that direction for a long time, I think it was really important that even though, like I said, they don't follow it up and the man ends up in an internal feud with China uh, and with a bunch of other people, like, they really don't get that guy in something meaningful that gets hugely over until probably the Benoit feud, Mm -hmm. early 2000. Um, But still, in that moment, it's just like, they will give WCW guys chances here. And I think... In their heart of hearts, I think that pushed a lot of people who would then jump over the next six, eight months closer to the door. Absolutely. Um, But yeah, it's an all-timer segment. and, And something that, like, always... One of the most iconic visuals from that whole era of wrestling is Jericho doing the pose. Yep. Which, if you read the book... He stole from Michael Jackson. Stole from Michael Jackson, but also wasn't planning to do it. Until he like basically he was walked. there. Yeah. He walked up and he's just like, It would look cool if I did this. As he says, he kinda did it wrong. And but it became the thing. Like it is when the lights come up and he's doing the pose, like it is genuinely one of the coolest visuals it'll ever see. Yeah, it's,
2: it's a superstar entrance. It's literally yeah. you're all looking at me, I'm not looking at you.
1: Yeah. Um, right. That is by far the most the most important part of the show. So I think we can rattle through most of the rest of it now. Yes. Um, the funny, maybe the second funniest thing on the whole show was uh, Bob Holly. Big shot Bob Holly. <laughs> big, the big shot. And tried to get the big shot over. It's so funny because he does the same line delivery three times identically. Into one different rooms. Break, one after the break. He's just, he does this three times. He kicks a door open and he says, have you seen the big show? Tell him the big shots looking for him. And he delivers it the same way exactly. So we have couldn't trust him to do more than one line.
2: We have the big shot Bob Holly. Yes. We have big nasty big show Paul White. Yeah. Have you any other bigs? Big boss the, man. Big boss man.
1: Yeah. The big bopper. Big bopper. <laughs> big booger red. <laughs> big evil. Uh, big evil. God uh non-title hardcore match up next the big boss man versus the road dog the big road dog uh matches absolute dog shit for a minute uh and boss man puts him through a table speaking of dogs al snow comes out and in a thing that i'm sure he got a receipt for backstage he hits boss man so hard with a dog who breaks the, that dog, the dog, carrier. dog carrier shatters over his head um he was definitely meant to pull that shot and he didn't that's netflix uh Snow. god i i do wonder if somebody's going to go to the trl tier to get us to watch the ovw documentary because i it will just make me mad every gif i've seen of it it's just gonna make me so mad
2: i saw it came up on
1: my my tv the other day and i was like god
2: i can't i can't make myself watch that
1: like I'll tell you what, Al Snow's a much better worker than I thought he was because he managed to work an entire Netflix production crew into thinking that he had some sort of important role in the future of wrestling anyway singles match Big Show versus The Rock absolutely nothing happens in this match and then the big shot comes out <laughs> uh <laughs> He the gets Rock, a headbutt from Big Show.
2: The Rock and the Big Show are in the ring, and Bob Holly interrupts. Yeah,
1: I would love, I'd love the reverse shot of the Rock looking fucking disgusted to see the Big Shot out here. Um, so gets a headbutt from the Big Show. Rock Low blows him. DDT's Dee Dee him into position for the people's elbow. Obviously,
2: didn't fancy the Undisputed Buster.
1: No. Um, but as he's going to do it. And this is something you would forget because you all think of the segment where he debuts, but you forget that Jericho very briefly interferes in this match uh, So Jericho interviews. And then uh, Billy William Gunn comes in with his itchy arse and hits the worst jackhammer you've ever seen, which is identified as a jackhammer mm-hmm. by Jim Ross. Um, And then, yeah, scratches his hole on the way out. <laughs>
2: Do you you remember that Billy Gunn was trying to get over the jackhammer? Billy
1: Gunn had an itchy hole. Yeah, well. No, I I, I had forgotten until just now that he was a guy who hit the jackhammer.
2: He's had more finishes than Chris Jericho.
1: Is it a thing? Is it like their version of WCW giving the stunner to Disco to devalue the stunner?
2: I should hope not, considering they fucking just had Billy Gunn win King of the Ring.
1: Yeah, but it's only a couple of years later where uh, Edge cuts that incredible promo where he says, I promise not to Billy Gun this opportunity as King of the Ring. Billy Gun, who's still in the company yeah, at the time. Billy Gun, who one year or two... Is it? Is it by King of the Ring 2000 or is it... It's season and one? In 2001, during King of the Ring, the winner two years previously is in WWF New York during the King of the Ring finals. Mm-hmm. Ah, the... Main event is here. The WWF World Heavyweight Title Number One Contendership Triple Threat Match with Shawn Michaels, a special guest referee, and Jesse Ventura on commentary. You couldn't get more bells and whistles if you tried. Uh, Triple H versus China versus The Undertaker with Paul Bearer. Shawn Michaels, what a worker. Coming out in the Shawn Michaels Wrestling Academy t-shirt and pointing repeatedly at the phone number. I'd like to believe a young spanky was watching Raw that night a young American dragon said, mm. I want me some of this. Look how tight those shorts are. I wonder <laughs> if I can get a pair of those.
2: You think you could get Brian Danielson to talk about those tight shorts and what they do for sperm count in
1: 2023? The, the, the smuggled banana shorts. <laughs> um, well, he loves, well, I'll tell you what, for a man who loves talking about flaccid penises, you could see the level of flaccidity of Shawn Michaels throughout this.
2: Um, I was going to say, we get more all-time great music as the undertaker comes out to dark side
1: oh fantastic the best version of his music mm-hmm. um he Shawn during his entrance because it's of course 1999 decides it'd be really funny if he grinded on china uh very quickly she shoots him a look that i imagine was not a worked look of I'll i will fuck you up you. yeah and he's like oh oh, oh sorry <laughs> Um, China and Triple H get in each other's faces during Taker's entrance. Taker immediately shoves her over and she stays on the floor, shocked. So, this is the thing. This is the real problem I have. And I guess this is looking back with 2023 eyes. Like, realistically, in 1999, the people that were in WWF were not going to book this match any differently. No. China was the damsel in distress during this. One move would happen to her and she would be out of the match for minutes. Yeah. So she got shoved over and she was frozen in place on ground for nearly a minute. Um, She gets back up. Um, She gets up in Taker's face. He goozles her, lifts her up. She kind of pokes him in the eye. But uh, she tries to dive off the top rope. Then he throws a single punch and it takes her out of almost she takes the a great bump. Yeah. Great she bump. does take a great bump. Yeah. She goes for it. Um, I I did like li- I was just
2: gonna say I did like on a commentary around this time. Jesse can't help but be a heel and speculate that Austin was drunk and fell down the stairs.
3: Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. He just can't help himself. He, he has to be a can't heel.
1: Can't <laughs> uh, you know what? Jerry's encouraging it as well. Um,
2: I actually had to look up after uh, Jesse was like, "Oh, I remember we had that match in Memphis." I looked up, they did.
1: Yeah um it felt like a thing jesse was bringing up to try and pop jerry yeah he and did it's it, it succeeded because he brought up what was um, it the
2: san diego chicken or something
1: yeah yeah um taker goes for a chokeslam after a lot of brawling outside low blow from china they then double team taker <laughs> i obviously was lost in thought cause i was like how was sean allowed on national tv in those shorts <laughs> I'm like that's obscene that's more obscene than when he got his arse out that time.
2: Vince slow seeing Sean in tight shorts. What do you want me to tell uh, you?
1: Yeah, the smuggle banana shorts, eh? Um because that was not even the last time they would appear. No, Judgment Day. Yeah, you would have to you had to pay on pay-per-view for those shorts to come back for an hour. Um <laughs> Fucking hell. Um what, Jesse what? completely forgot the stip of the match and had to be reminded as well. He forgot this was for the number one contendership. He was talking about it being Triple H and Austin. They're like, "Oh, that, no, um, not necessarily."
2: What What did you think of Undertaker's uh, very gentle choke slam on China?
1: Yeah, it was the I really don't want to. It was like the choke nap on Hogan. I was just gonna
2: time. say we've talked about previously about the choke nap where Big Nasty did to Hogan, where he very he gently placed her
1: up and he laid her down to
2: sleep. <laughs> Uh, and the crowd booed because they were like, oh, we want to see this woman murdered, apparently.
1: <laughs> yeah, put her through the <laughs> ring. These bloodthirsty 1999
2: fans. Chicagoans. Uh,
1: Triple H hits the knee and like, God, you forget how bad Taker used to be. Like, and still, like, to be fair, like, even in his, his workhorse era, he was pulled out for one match a year. Like, he was a giraffe on roller skates an mm-hmm. awful lot. And Triple H hits his rising knee and he stumbles back 10 feet across the ring into the ropes and just goes on his arse. And it looked awful. Um. So then uh, he he tries to pin China, but Taker breaks it. We cut backstage and Austin is back. Just shoves a random crew member off a chair and takes it. Uh, China gets knocked off the apron. Triple H is out on the floor. And as Taker is threatening Sean inside the ring, Austin walks out absolutely a triple h with a chair shot.
0: in the hobby it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks we hype ourselves up thinking maybe i can pull a Ken Griffey junior rookie card but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates it's all just a shot in the dark until now introducing slab packs from arena club Off again, that's arena club.com/slash/vow net, arena club.com/slash/vow net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. I mean, I've seen some (laughs) chair shots in my time,
2: he hits him flush in the face. And what gets me is the fucking sound. He hit him flush in the face.
1: <laughs> he was not aiming for Triple H's head. He was aiming for a spot two feet behind Triple H's he head. And he went through Triple H's head to get to it.
2: planted him.
1: He hit him so hard and so fast that Triple H tried to get his hands up. I don't he think he did. Get up. Get up. He gets his hands about halfway up and the chair is already embedded in his
2: face. Oh my God! What a fucking chair shot! <laughs> <It's so beautiful. laughs> oh. uh, and then he puts um, China on top to get the pin.
1: It was China on top to get the pin, but at that point, like everybody's ears are still ringing from the chair shot.
2: Like everyone um, remembers the one to the Rock, where he walked. You know, the the Foley win. That was a great chair shot as well. But my God, this one was fucking was incredible. I,
1: I think it was because of the way the camera swings. You're not expecting it. And because his hands are starting to go up, you're like, oh, he'll get there. Nope. Like, I. I but it was be the sound. Yeah, it was the sound. And it was like, if you had reversed the camera angle, you would see a sweaty face print exactly in Triple H's. In if the it chair. It's like the, like the fucking Shroud of Turin. <laughs> Oh my but, god. Uh, China wins and is for now the number one contender at SummerSlam, and we go off the air with the Undertaker fucking fuming about it.
2: Um Should we talk about how next week the number one contendership changes? I think it's three times. Yes. So Foley Foley returns in the four segments, gets a match with China, he wins the number one contendership.
1: Foley who, by the way, has only been out for maybe two months with like knee
2: surgery. Yeah, we, we talked about it the last time that he comes back really quickly. That's yeah. they need they needed oh, yeah, somebody. I
1: read it in the observer yeah. and you were like, What? <laughs> yeah.
2: Um yeah, so like he comes back next week, wins the number one contendership, then they do another triple threat match with him trying to triple H. And I think there's a fuck finish where Triple H wins and then they somehow get back to it being a triple threat match by the end of the show.
1: Yeah. So fucking convoluted mate. But anyway, that was Raw. Um, really good should show. Should we go straight into Nitro, or do you want to give a winner and loser for that? Nah, we'll come back to it. Straight okay. into Nitro. Right, we'll go into Nitro now. This is Nitro 203 from Boise, Idaho. Also the 9th of August, 1999. Getting, as we discussed earlier, a 3.1 rating. We had a dark match on this show, Lee. Um, because we are mere weeks away from his television debut, they are they are getting him ready for television. The Disco Inferno wrestled Berlin. Oh God! In the dark match, I'm sure that was an absolute classic to behold. Uh, The dancing fools back together in a different guise.
2: So that's two tag teams that imploded on Disney.
1: I guess so. Yeah. We get a video package to open Nitro, Uh, Mona begging for her job back on the previous week to no avail. Uh, She low blows Randy Savage, who then gets killed by Rodman. Steiner lures Goldberg into a trap backstage with Sid. Hudson gets murdered. Hogan placed gently through a table. All the stuff that we kind of talked about on the last episode of Thunder, uh, with the exception of the Mona stuff we hadn't heard about. Um, Tony and Brain talking, huge and actually authentic Goldberg chants, not Mm -hmm. ones being piped in. Um, They also reveal Lee, uh, cross this one off your bingo card for the month, the power in WCW has changed yet again. Um, As Sting has surrendered control of the company, a new present will be named imminently. JJ Dillon is in charge on an interim basis and Dusty Rhodes has been appointed the head of the championship committee, which in that respect kind of reflects what we talked about the other week with Dusty is now back in a prominent role booking with Nash, not out of the picture, but very much more on the periphery than he had been. Yeah, because
2: remember, Dusty had that weird interview a couple of weeks ago where he's like begging flair for a job.
3: Mm hmm.
1: So now now it's like he's got his job because WCW has the power back. Yes. Uh, Heenan, and not for the first time on this hour for a commentator to say it, but uh, Heenan flat out says, we need Dusty to turn this company around. Mm-hmm. So we have now reached the era where people are just openly talking about how terrible WCW is Yeah, how The, for, the, the first part of 1999 was absolute shit. Yeah. They're still kind of doing it under the guise of in storyline. It so you could you could kind of pass it off as because Flair was in charge, everything sucked. But that's not how most people are reading it. Remember when
2: the the McMahon's came out and went, "Oh, Baron Corbin ruined our show." That that's what it was. <laughs> yes, yes, except except nineteen ninety nine, WCW had not in fact signed the old
1: books like WWF mm-hmm. thought they had. Um. Where are we next? Match number one. Match number one. Uh, quite the trio, as Norman Smiley, Lash Larue, the Raging Cajun, and Prince Ikea, the flat pack Sovereign, take on the Deadpool, El Vampiro, Shaggy Two Dope, <laughs> and Violent J, who are yes. never referred
2: to by name. We should say
1: no. They have, um, God, what's the name of that? There's like the ICP character. Jack 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 Jekyll, is it? Jack Jekyll, yeah. It's on the back of both their jerseys and Brain legitimately thinks Violent J's name is Jack Jekyll. Um, Yes, this is the in-ring debut of the Insane Clown Posse on our podcast. um, And it is nowhere near the last time we will see them wrestle. Um, Heenan, during the entrance, puts over the smiley scoop slam big time. Love you, Brain, for that. Um, and this is the thing like Hanan isn't a guy who especially at this stage is willingly bestowing compliments on people he doesn't like so it's very interesting to me that he t- looks at a very green as grass Lash LaRue and puts him over big saying this kid's going to make it to mm-hmm. the big time uh um, implying that WCW is in fact not the big time yeah 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 the, this guy's going to get a job somewhere better um <laughs> Lash and uh, Vamp start off with dueling chops and Tony immediately like it's like he was waiting for the bell ring to just start talking about Hogan. Yeah. Um. So that's pretty much the tenor of the whole show as they pretty much talk about Hogan and Nash for three hours. Uh, Mickey J completely misses a tag to Ikea and tries to get rid of him out with the ring, even though he did legally tag in. Um, Let's pull this bandaid off very quickly, Lee. Uh, I don't know if you're going to agree with me on this. But you agree with me on the first part, I think. You'd have to. The Insane Clown Posse suck. But they're great. As a musical act?
2: Yes. As wrestlers? Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah.
1: yeah. Do, they bring something to to me there.
2: do they bring something to the show?
1: Yes. Yes. Well, this is it. Like, I would much sooner watch an ICB shit the bed in a match that's really over because it's ICP rather than like half these guys that are more talented but WCW will never do anything with
2: I like this match was not good first of all first of all no IKEA was in this match for the
1: majority of it and it was fucking horrendous yeah you have Norman Smiley who I was like I saw the teams and I was like right this match is going to be 99% Vampiro and And Norman Smiley. Smiley yeah and everyone else will be allowed in in very limited quantities. Nope. And that's not how it was. It was mostly ICP, wrestling, IKEA, and Lash LaRue. Which is what you do
2: in this circumstance. You put the the four greenest people in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, this match fucking was dog shit. Yeah. But I was captivated by it
1: because there, there's just something about the ICP. They are terrible wrestlers. The Deadpool are heels, but they are some of the biggest baby faces on this show in terms of crowd reaction. Well, I mean,
2: it's the thing, like, Juggalos do go, like, they're renowned for following the ICP to whatever they're doing.
1: And it's, like, probably, like, this period is the most mainstream ICPR in terms of popularity. You know what I mean? Like, they have more of a recognition amongst people who aren't <clears throat> juggalos than they Yeah, and like, heard. by 2001,
2: 2002, the last time I remember them being referenced was... Remember Eminem would take shots at them on his albums? Yeah. yeah. Like, that's the last time I remember them being kind of... relevant.
1: shaggy 2 gets in at one point, and as he throws a punch, his pants fall down. Yes. And normally with a clown, you think that's a that's a that's a stage spot like cause that is pretty good clown bit but no this man just had ill-fitting trousers oh, and was no, a terrible wrestler I even considered that <laughs> yeah look i'll tell you i'll say it right now lee i'll put this down if that was a planned spot <laughs> he should have won the thes award that year <laughs> oh, you. as that he throws the punches like It's like, you know, the Apes is a bit. It's like, Abe, (laughs) could you go five seconds without embarrassing yourself? (laughs) The suspenders explode and his pants fall down. How long was that?
2: (laughs) I really wish that was on purpose now.
1: (laughs) But the thing was, I say with 100% Uh. confidence, it wasn't. He just had baggy pants and he was a shit wrestler. (laughs) Are you are you confident that 10 times out of 10, you could tell me which one's Shaggy Too Dope and which one's Violent J? Oh, yeah. Oh, good. Good. I wonder if that, like, is it just that I'm so wrestling brained, I could easily tell the difference? Because I watched their whole WCW run. Yeah, Violent
2: J like, is a chunky one.
1: Yes. Nowadays, harder to tell. Oh, is it? Okay. Shaggy Too Dope caught up. Okay. <laughs> Let's just say that. The, uh the look the cal- the, the calories in fago are gonna tell after a while that's all i'm gonna say again we're very much open to being share sent a share like a care package of fago if if fago is still made i um, i really hope it's not you would have to try it if it's still got sugar in it because I can't drink it uh but I'm volunteering you for that uh, uh, thanks thanks Anytime but. Did Do you think, do you think uh, any Juggalos listen to us? I don't know. Shout us out. Juggalos are welcome here. I don't know if we'd be welcome at the gathering of the Juggalos. No. But the Juggalos are definitely welcome here. I find it a very interesting subculture. I wonder could I get booked in Juggalo Championship Press? They're like, they're unbelievably popular. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> I think for people who don't, who haven't kept up with the Juggalos... It would shock you how popular they still are. Like, JCW but still does big shows. It's a- amongst all the same people that always liked them, but it's still quite a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we will go on many, many ICP related tangents <laughs> over the next couple of years on this show. <laughs> um, The Norman Smiley hot tag got a huge pop. It did. Um, what, what slams everyone what
2: did you think of the tight shot on the big wiggle
1: yeah <laughs> well you know they need to be past the watershed to show the whole thing l-
2: l- lest the American public see his, his
1: dry riding hips now I'll tell you what would have been fucking obscene is him coming out doing that in the Shawn Michaels shorts oh good lord <laughs> Fucking hell, David! <laughs> I picture, I picture actually him doing the big wiggle and it causing Shaggy Two pants to fall down again. Uh. Now, if I'm booking this company, if they brought me in instead of Vince Russo, I am contriving weekly spots where something causes his pants to fall down after this match. Anyway.
2: Just in the background of shots backstage, yeah. just his pants are falling yeah. down.
1: Yeah, you know, like uh, Positively Canyon would be in the background of shots, Canyon be people yeah. that ear for now. But it's just like in scenes where someone's doing like a serious promo or something, like you just see Shaggy Tudo, but like catering, just talking to someone really casually and it's just his pants fall <laughs>
2: As Road dog pushed through a door.
1: I feel like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> his tapes. I feel like I'm turning this into, um, you know, Patrick Stewart and Extras. Where he's just like, have you ever seen... No, Patrick I'm not Stewart an Extras versus... guy, no. So, he does... It's Patrick Stewart does this great bit where he's like... he's Because, like, you know, the, the whole bit is actors play themselves, but mm-hmm. it's like weirdo versions of themselves. And Patrick Stewart is like, I've had this idea for a movie where I play my character from the X-Men. Um Professor Xavier and I see oh, an attractive woman walking down the street and I wonder what she'd look like with no clothes on and then all her clothes fall off and she scrambles and she gets them back on very quickly but by then I've seen everything. <laughs> <laughs> and then like he describes another scenario <laughs> where the exact same thing happens okay. and he does the but by then I've seen everything. <laughs> and that's I feel like I just turned into that there, where a very serious segment is going on, and then Shaggy Two Dope's pants fall down, oh, tr- and he gets them back on very quickly. But by then, I've seen everything,
2: which is funny because you were complaining earlier on about seeing so much of Billy Gunn's
1: ass. Yeah, and now I'm now saying we haven't seen enough of Shaggy Two Dopes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh my god, who'd have thought on the first ICP match we ever fucking review it would turn into this? <laughs> it was such a good spot. And we I thought was... Raven was gone. Was... And we haven't even mentioned <laughs> haven't
1: him yet. Even, we haven't even talked about it. Raven was there. And he'd painted an ankh on his face. Yeah. Because, like, he just didn't give a shit.
2: Yeah, the hair was wild. He's, I don't uh, know if it was
1: part of his gimmick or he was just at a goth rave the previous night and he cared so little about his employment he just didn't wash anymore. Yeah. Looks rough. <sighs> Fuck. I Sorry. mean Deadpool win. Oh won. my god. Deadpool do win via the big boy moonsault. And I feel like it came up because somebody posted the gif of Vader doing the over the the ropes moonsault. Mm. Um that the big boy moonsault has come back into vogue on Twitter this week. Oh, um, and I would like to say, Violent J hits a pretty good big boy moonsault. Dog shit wrestler, decent moonsault. Uh, even though this match was maybe two and a half, three minutes long, and he wasn't there for very long, Violent J is completely blown up. It's still better than Ike, though. Yeah, but also much better face paint than sting because it hasn't really started yeah, what the at fu- all. What do they
2: use on their face?
1: Certainly not. Like I think I don't know what sting uses. I, I like that I think that's the more important question because even now in 2023 it it runs off in like 30 seconds. Yeah, but we all know
2: it's Steve Stinger.
1: Yeah. This is true. We don't know what Shaggy 2 open Volente look like. I I genuinely don't. <laughs> I think it would be really disturbing to me to see them without the face paint. Why well, you spent so much anyway. Time. anyway, we're spent way too much time on ICP here. Raven all but rolls his eyes, by the way, when this match yeah. is over. It's like the bell rings and it cuts to him in the corner. He's like, fuck's sake. He's so miserable. It's great. I love it. You can just hear me, like, ah. <laughs> Uh, We get WCW collector's covers uh, of TV Guide this week. You can get Nash, Sting, Savage, or Kimberly. And knowing 1999 wrestling fans, I'll bet my entire house on which one of those sold out. Um, But I, I digress, uh, as Taz would say. Uh, Nitro Girls, number one. Uh, Something that's really occurred to me 10 Nitros in. It's so funny that they've had the Nitro Girls for so many years doing... Every hour of Nitro, they do a song, and they still haven't bought the rights to more than about three songs for them to do <laughs> or ask d j Rand to create some new ones because even is this one I can't remember which one it is like where I'm like, oh, that's just the music they end up using for is it Miss Hancock comes out to one of them, yeah, mm-hmm. I couldn't remember if it was her or major guns at first. one of the two of them came out to one of the Nitro girls team, but I think it is Miss I Hancock think it's miss Han- I'm pretty sure it's Miss Hancock. It. Because, yeah, she comes out and she does her dance. Mm-hmm. So I think it was to that, yeah. But, um, yeah, it's just like, oh, we've had them for years. And I'm sure the girls are fucking sick to death of the three songs at this stage as well. And they're just like, nah, fuck yeah, it. They have to
2: rehearse dances and all to those songs.
1: Yeah. Every single week. Uh, the revolution are backstage <clears throat> haranguing Dusty Rhodes, uh, our head of the championship committee, asking them if there if there's ever going to be change. Dusty says it's new regime; they are going to get their opportunity, but if you don't take that opportunity, that's on you. Flair and Tori walk by. Uh, Tori in her hometown tonight, by the way. Oh, of that's because I only know that because that's where I learned that there is a place on this earth called Boise. That you've never heard of Boise before never heard of Boise until she started getting, when she was in WWE, and started getting introduced from Boise. Um, It's one of those moments where, like, you know the way a, a US wrestling fans obviously don't have this as much, but for European wrestling fans, it's definitely true that we know way more US geography than we should purely because of professional wrestling.
2: Yeah, my, my 10-year-old knows way too much American geography because of wrestling.
1: There is not one chance on this earth that I would know there is a place called Battle Creek, Michigan. What about Bombay, Michigan? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Bombay, Michigan. I wouldn't know. There's a place called Parts Unknown either. <laughs> right next to Truth um, or Consequences. Yeah, Truth or Consequences. Yeah, I. Uh, yeah, there's so much of U.S. geography, both real and fake, that I, uh, I, I, I know now it, that's only useful in pub quiz type scenarios.
2: Oh yeah, like if an American state question comes up, it's like, ah, oh, the wrestling yeah, yeah, fan yeah. knows.
1: In what city is this arena as well as one that I'm really good at because of wrestling?
2: I'm lost at that shit now because they all change names so often.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't get stuff like the IZOD Center anymore. Yeah. Like the,
2: the Allstate Arena in Chicago, that's the... Rosemont, isn't it?
1: Rosemont Horizon. Yeah. Is it? I think so. Um... So, where are we now? I've completely lost my place. Match wasn't. number two. Oh, yeah. So, so no, it's uh, Flair and Tori are walking by oh, talking yeah, shit. Yeah. And Benoit is just like, fuck you, and puts him in a crossface. Mm-hmm. And du- Dusty says, right, okay, you're talking shit. It's Benoit versus David Flair for the US title tonight. Our long national nightmare may be about to end, Lee next match which I alerted you about because I I told you that the ICP wrestled in this show and you were like oh brilliant and you meant it seriously like you weren't being sarcastic Mm -hmm. I said well don't get too excited because the second match is the public enemy versus the West West Texas Rednecks yeah fucking hell (laughs) I'm just gonna give you I'm just gonna give you another actually no before we get to the match something I had completely forgotten about Uh, By the way, Tony and Brain start this segment by burying WCW again and talking about how bad WCW has been. I had forgotten that there was a second West Texas Redneck single. Yeah, I actually forgot that as well. Good old boys. And this was a bop. (laughs) Uh, But Kurt Hennig clearly hadn't learned the lyrics to this one because he only sings the chorus to this (laughs) during their entrance. Uh, But I'm going to stand back. because I think my policy going forward now, Lee... um, is when the public enemy are on TV, you get the office. <laughs> I only have one thing that I nearly, I want to mention during this match, and I will mention it once you're done. <clears throat> so i got to take a big sip of Pepsi for the working man, and you tell us about this match fucking classic. Well, I mean, I don't have a ton to say about the
3: match
2: because, I mean, I've been over this a hundred times. The public enemy are a fucking embarrassment, even by 1999 standards. They have no place on television. Uh, Johnny Grunge in particular—like how would that man ever got a contract—he yeah. is fucking out of shape, which yeah. is fine if you're a big boy wrestler. He's not. Yeah.
1: And also, it was much finer. Like I and now maybe it's rose-colored glasses, but you definitely have watched a good bit of ECW as well. There was a time where Flyboy Rocco Rock was all right. Yeah. Wasn't there? And he was definitely like, you can be the useless big guy wrestler if you're with a guy who can actually keep the match together.
2: Like, Rock 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 was the worker of the group. And even in this one, like, he kind of, he does okay in there with Henning. Yeah, but
1: but he's definitely washed. Oh, yeah,
2: he's done. Like, finished at this point. Yeah. And I, I, I was only thinking, it's so funny that in the mid-2000s, one of the biggest independent tournaments was named after one of these guys. Because... By this point they are just fucking oh, it's just I hate seeing them on TV. I just I wish they'd just go away. Um more importantly, I want to bring up the fact that Barry Windham is back in wrestling tights and trunk uh, wrestling trunks and boots.
1: Yeah, G- gone, are go- of
2: gone are the camo shorts.
1: How, how did you feel about that? I love that I, he, he lost he lost his little Daisy Dukes. I
2: love Barry Windham. He's great. Yeah. Like, look, come here. We've mentioned it. Henning and Wyndham are absolutely washed by this point. But my God, they're still streets ahead of the public enemy.
1: And they're also like, they've got that quality of like the, the old people in the nursing home who like start dating. It's <laughs> like, ah, oh, they're both done for, but it's nice that they found each other, isn't it? <laughs> but isn't it a
2: real indictment of uh, Duncan Jr. and uh, the other Wyndham that, the two washed guys are still getting picked ahead of them for matches on Nitro mm-hmm. uh,
1: can I also this is the two spots I want to mention in this match are the public enemy nearly murdered Kurt Hennig oh on live God. television with a flapjack like how you can fuck up a double flapjack
2: they won't let go of him
1: yeah I think I think Kurt Hennig thought it was going to be a back, back body drop he did And they held on to him for too long. And then let go. And then let go of him. And he just ends up in a fucking heap. Oh. And then, right before the finish, Grunge hit. And you know how much I love this very basic wrestling move. So, it aggravates me no end that this happened. And I can say with some confidence as an expert in the field. Johnny Grunge hits Barry Windham with the single worst neckbreaker I have seen in a long time. You know, a neckbreaker is bad when the man you're doing the neckbreaker to lands on top of you, yeah. the person executing the move. And that is what happens here. Mm-hmm. Uh, dog shit. Yeah. Dog shit match. Miserable experience. The rednecks win. Yes, the rednecks win. Thank God, by the way, because I think I, I, I probably would have pitched the laptop out the window if the public enemy got a win here. Not that, like the rednecks are this great protected act. But again, there is, there is very few acts in this company more transparently washed and at the bottom of the card. Like I'm pretty sure that these guys would already be not on TV again, had they been two of the only people not substantially injured in that junkyard match. Mm -hmm. Um, They would have been pushed off TV if like Finley wasn't on a surgeon's table around now. A bunch of other people were just creased. I think it's around about now that they start kind of going with the
2: rednecks as more of a face act. They start leaning into yeah. the fact that the WCW fans are obviously country music fans. Yeah.
1: Next match. Um, oh, by the way, the camera completely missed Duncan not knocking out grunge with the cowbell yes, yeah. at the end of the match. Yeah. Um, next match is Mona versus Little Genie. I was just like, where the hell are they digging up these opponents from on the indies like it's so clear like they had planned this long Mona Medusa program and now Medusa's hurt and they have no idea what to do because they don't have a women's division Mm -hmm. was it it Jerry Flynn's music that little little genie came out of oh it might have been yeah well this is genie's first WCW match she wrestles three more times all against Mona for WCW All of them are in 1999. All of them are house shows. And all of them are against Mona. But unlike the usual model of you do the house show match first to build to doing a solid match on TV, they did the TV match first and then do a bunch of house show matches. Makes sense. This is also one of only two matches really on this show where you can accuse actual wrestling of happening. (laughs) Like, Mona, uh, this is why, like, I guess she was so ahead of her time for her generation. Like, she's still green as grass. But she actually tries to wrestle in her she matches. Does, yeah. And it's not what people necessarily... Like, I-, I was like, no, do you know what? I'm, I'm actually going to be fairer to the 1999 crowds than most people are. Like, usual, the way 1999 crowds treat women is, you know, something for the dads kind of stuff. And you're. I was about to say, because it's definitely much the case in, in WWF, that they don't want to see women actually wrestle, mm-hmm. except China, who they only want to see wrestle men. That said, we have now watched two wrestling matches that Mona has had. And the crowds are into it. Yeah, they were. Now, like, not into it on the level, like, I'm not saying that she's, like, you know, put the strap on her or, you know, anything like that. But, like, they, they're surprisingly into they gave it a chance. having doing actual wrestles. And, yes, they gave it a chance. Which just goes to show, like, you can't... You can't tell me with a straight face because a lot of these bookers from the time, like the Russo's and stuff, like, about the world oh, like, nobody cared. Oh, uh, they didn't want to see these skirts yeah. wrestle and stuff like that. It's because you, and people like you, never gave them a shot. Mm-hmm. Now, they wouldn't have been, again, Mona was like... Way ahead, like there's maybe only I'm thinking between both companies, like Ivory could hold a match together. We're still a couple of years away from Lita. In well, a year or so away from Lita in WWF, Jackie could hold a half decent match together, and that's about it. But again, if you had been serious about women earlier than this, who knows? A lot, a lot of them could have been a lot better. In WWF, none of them ever got better because none of them ever had proper matches, got proper reps, were trained properly. Yeah. I mean, they were trained just enough to not hurt themselves. Like we, and even then <coughs> it wasn't fully successful.
2: We just said about the, the timing of matches went up significantly in two thousand for the men's. But like up until God, like the mid two thousands, the women were getting literally three minutes.
1: It was like, you know, People famously talk about that Trish and Lita main event on Raw. But that was also the that was the first time they'd main evented Raw. It was also the fucking last time women a made an event Raw time. for a decade plus after. Um so like I'm not giving them their flowers for giving like a tokenistic and whatever about now where you could say there wasn't a lot of top, top tier women's talent, but like uh WF burned through an era where they had people like Victoria jazz Mm -hmm. under contract and we're still doing fucking gravy bowl matches most of the time with women and yeah it was i often wonder how because i've seen a couple of the matches trish has had on this run like the 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 cage match and, and stuff like that and i'm just like as good as she was for her time i really wonder how good she could have been if she came around now that she managed to get as good as she did, for the time she was in, if she if she was twenty one now, yeah, like she had no like, vets to work with. She just it was her Victoria and Molly like, basically raising each other and up. It, and she was already in the ring like nearly two years when Victoria came in. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like Victoria, her big that hardcore match with Victoria is two thousand and two Survivor yeah. Series. You know what I mean, and she'd already been in the ring from like what mid 2000s She was starting to wrestle on yeah. like semi regularly, yeah, and then was like regular through two thousand and one, basically, but still doing Bram Handys matches most of the time. Um, like I often wonder because of how quickly she took to wrestling, if she had a proper division around her and more than fit Finley championing the, the women through to the give, back half give, give of give her them run, a time, yeah, giving chance. Like not... what what was her ceiling? You know, and know. same with Molly, same with Molly as well. Like, Molly probably at the time even harder for her because, like, I guess there's at least more women in <coughs> WWF who were having quote unquote matches. Whereas, like, the division was two women in WCW at this time, and one of them got hurt. Yeah. Um, but anyway, th- this match was like for somebody who'd never been on TV before versus somebody who's green. It's pretty solid. That was fine. That was a pretty good match. Like, and Mona, Mona won with an Indian Deathlock pin. Yeah, really cool looking. Yeah. Um, and then Brandy Alexander ran in <coughs> to try and get a sneak attack and gets laid out too. It's like it's. It really is like God. What? Oh, I wish they. Well, it's a, a what could have winners. been situation. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Um, Hogan and Ash video package. And then speaking of what could have been a Nick Hogan cameo is not what I was expecting on my Nitro. It's, it's not often Let,
2: that Hulk Hogan is the least problematic Hogan on the show.
1: Not only that, but it was Nick Hogan in an Ash Ketchum uh, cap. Oh, was it? Okay, I didn't even notice. Yes, is the very, the iconic Ash Ketchum hat. Uh, he says, Hul-, and this was, you want to talk about interesting camera work? This moment was very interesting mm-hmm. where like you don't get the way they did this where like they follow nick into the dressing room and he says dad you're late for an interview and then it follows with no like music or anything like that it follows hogan kind of getting up he was doing press-ups he gets his belt he gets he runs out runs down a corridor and he's waiting at the curtain it's weird that there was two curtain shots into one night. on shows that were going on at the same mm-hmm. time so, as he's waiting in this incredibly dark, like, clearly, because you would see that it was actually the curtain to the side of the stage. So, they obviously didn't want to show Gorilla Uh, here. So, they filmed it, like, slightly further down. So, it's incredibly dark, this shot. And um, the... Oh, yeah. Sorry. One of the things for context for later is, like, oh, Nick says, you're not even wearing the gear I brought you. And... Uh, Hogan opens the bag and sees that the red and yellow tights are in there. And he thinks about it for a second. Yeah. I wish
2: they hadn't done that to
1: you.
2: I wish yeah, they had yeah. to just left that at Nick going, oh, you're not wearing the stuff I packed. Which is what he says. And just left that at that. And Hogan going, oh, I haven't got time right now. I'll come back in a minute.
1: I know this is an inopportune time to bring it up, but the, the Nick Hogan thing and the gear has just reminded me. Did you watch Dynamite last night? I did. And... MJF doing the Brett Mean Joe Green bit with the kid five stars uh, phenomenal (laughs) as soon as that shot opened I was there by myself like I was Leo DiCaprio you know that the the meme of him (laughs) (laughs) oh I'm adopted it's such a great swerve Yeah, that's the kind of comedy MJF does that doesn't drive me crazy yeah. the fucking going to the ball pit and assassinating children it is mid-card comedy stick i don't like but that great shit mm-hmm. great shit the,
2: just the whole thing that that that's mjf <coughs>
1: and then yeah the the, the footsteps oh it's brilliant uh so he gets sneak attack from the shadows by nash rick and sid they drag him out through the entrance ray roll him in the ring Hogan and Sting out to stop the jackknife. The crowd goes absolutely... Oh, sorry, not Hogan, sorry. Uh, Goldberg and Sting. They fucking sprint in. Yes. Out to stop the jackknife. The crowd goes fucking mental, Mm -hmm. by the way. Um, Hogan said he's sick of those three. Something that WCW keeps doing is they can't figure out ways into stips, so they just fucking do it, abandoning all logic. So completely unprompted... He's the champion. The match is already made. It's not like he needs to put something on the line to convince Nash to accept. He just goes, "Fuck it, I'll put my career on the line." Yeah, they're they're just they're so fucking bad at this shit. <laughs> yeah, and he goes, um, and that's what I wrote. He put his he put his career on on the line for a title and a match that he already has. Yeah. Um, but he goes, "What about a six man tonight?" So Nash accepts. Sting says, if, I, if we win tonight, Nash has to put his career on the line at Road Wild. I was like, but he's no reason to. Now he's in a position where he can win the title and take Hogan's career, because Hogan's offered it up. And he doesn't have to put anything on the table. Mm-hmm. He's minted. Um, Goldberg says that Steiner has nothing to put on the line, so he better bring his ass to Sturgis. Uh, and I laughed because I was like, he, you have nothing to put on the line. Rick Steiner is the television champion. That's <laughs> I was like, clearly. Yeah, that's it. Goldberg is just like, ah, I, don't, I don't want that. Don't want that. Fair enough, I guess. Uh, Nash, again, completely unprompted. No reason to do it, but he accepts the career stip. Hogan says Sting and Goldberg will make sure there's no interference. He keeps calling them his best friends. He's like, fucking... You talk about, like, uh, what is it they keep calling Jericho, the people on Twitter? Oh, the Clout Vampire. There has never been a bigger Clout Vampire than Hogan.
2: Oh, hang on. Are people sitting on Jericho again?
1: Oh, no, no, not oh, recently. Okay. Just in general. Like, that's the thing people level at him. Um, although, extremely funny that he just fucking beat Sammy Guevara last night. Oh, come here. Did, so good. Did you he not does see his job? Did... He gets beaten like a drum in all of his feuds. He's like, no, nah, I'm not putting that <laughs>
2: did you not think? I'm, I'm sure you had the same thoughts as I did. As soon as Excalibur. Poor, poor Takeshita. No. <laughs> that was my
1: main thought. As
2: soon as Excalibur brought up the WrestleMania 19 gear for Sammy, I knew where it was going.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, you, ha- you had to see it coming. Um, it's funny because, like, I. It, you would have preferred they do like the actual WrestleMania nineteen stuff that was cool, which was Jericho and Sean mimicking each yeah. other's moves throughout the match, but like Jericho can't well, physically they, they do think that Sammy does really. Yes Sammy did the yeah. codebreaker. breaker. Yeah. Oh, that's the other thing, is like he beat uh he beat Sammy with his tertiary finisher as well. Uh-huh. Not the not the walls, not the Judas effect. Fuck a code breaker, which is a transition move nowadays. Ah uh, funny stuff anyway, um Nash accepts uh there'll be no interference uh which guarantees interference by the way mm-hmm. um hot angle, but good god damn was all that very badly thought out. everybody was pumped, everybody I think on the on the microphone they delivered what they had to deliver very well, but on a level of planning out how to get to the steps. Just not there.
2: Yeah, there was there was better ways to get to the the career versus career title
1: match, but
2: anyway, it is what it is. We're on to our yeah. next title match.
1: Yes, uh, and this is gormless idiot David Flair de- defending his United States heavyweight title against Chris Benoit. They start this match by replaying the entire segment that we just saw half an hour ago play out backstage.
2: Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, I don't often bring this up but good lord
1: Tori Wilson she was yeah she was she was doing quite well this evening
2: Jesus Christ Uh, I loved Bobby Heenan's bit of talking about that
1: yeah let's just say it was a great hat Tori Tori Wilson was very important for a very young (laughs) (laughs) Dave yeah in terms of hey maybe girls aren't gross and covered in cooties maybe they're pretty cool. <laughs> uh
2: speaking of pretty cool, we get Nick Patrick coming out.
1: <laughs> yeah, what a co- what I think cool. Of course you I think, think Nick Patrick. Uh, anyway, um can I just say but like Nick Patrick does come out, but right before that, during his entrance, David Flair, I don't think he's ever looked worse. In terms of looking like he's about to cry, which he frequently does, but also actively looking blotchy. Yeah, what the fuck was up with that? It's like he got the poison ivy. Like did, did, did Billy did Biddy Gunn rub his arse on David Clare's face? I can't <laughs> confirm nor Christ. deny.
2: I yeah, there were, there was something going on with like his general cheek
1: area. He looked very like <laughs> You could say that about should we call that is that the common thread between both shows? there was something going on in his general cheek area. <laughs> You're just going back to fucking Chaggy Tudor
2: up again, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was very strange. Anyway, uh, Nick Patrick comes out and kicks little Nate out of the ring because obviously Rick Flair is no longer in power. He does not get to decide who referees David's matches.
1: Yeah, I, I get that they did this bit to do the live reaction uh to him being kicked out. But at the same time as well, like if this was if this was a shoot brother, um I, I'm assuming Charles Robinson would be fired day one of the stingray game. Yes. <laughs> like but anyway um Flair tries to bail straight away but the revolution come down they're like nah 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 welcome back bring him room, out yeah. and I think it's at that point I, I think the crowd don't fully buy into it until that I think they assume because of what they've had for like the last few months that, look, David's going to find a way to, to weasel out of this or there's going to be loads of interference and we're not going to get what he wanted. But there was that, like, as soon as they bring him back in, they're like, oh, he's actually going to get a fucking hide in here.
2: I, I actually, it was at that point, I I really noticed I loved Flair's look because he has that, I'm going to get my ass kicked here and there's literally nothing I can do about it.
1: Yeah, yeah, that resigned to defeat yeah. thing. Um, They are hot to see the beatdown. Flair flops out and is surrounded like a, it's a lumberjack match. Mm-hmm. So he knows he had to get back in. Benoit fucking levels this cunt with a chop. <laughs> and then a snap suplex that nearly snapped him clean in half.
2: Yeah, I think like the whole sequence of moves is like one chop, which knocks him down. Snap suplex, backbreaker. And then Tony starts talking about how he's an embarrassment to wrestling. And like,
1: it's he's embarrassing not, not what, wrong. what's happened to the US title. Yeah. Um. What are we at next? So he starts paintbrushing him, beats him some more. The triad try to interfere, but they can't get there. Diving headbutt and a new champion. And again, I suppose a mirror to what happens on Raw. We have a title change, but because angles have to happen, we can't drink it in really um so page tries to attack he gets run off uh then benoit challenges page to a no dq match for the belt at road wild that should be good right should be good i mean those two were having bangers like when they were in the raven verse mm-hmm. at the start of our podcast run uh we then get a full replay of the benoit win and another nitro Girls segment um, I would like you to run us through Mean Gene talking to Macho Man, please. Um,
2: I don't know. We we saw this on Thunder. <laughs> uh, he brings
1: up Macho. It's actually it's somehow an even less good version of what we got on Thunder. Yeah, because he doesn't actually deliver on any of the things no. he's going to say. He talk about. He talked about more
2: of the stuff that he was going to reveal on Nitro on Thunder previously. Um. Yeah, me and Gene is like flabbergasted that Gorgeous George isn't winning again. Uh Matro says no, won't have Gorgeous George until after he gets rid of Rodman. Um So Gene brings up, you know, oh, you said you were going to talk about your four things, and Na uh Macho then runs through, He said, Nash brushed off one shoulder, Sid brushed off the other. Uh who was a Hogan and Rodman he brushes off his his dick. Genital sis. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Um, no, his dick. Yeah, his dick. Okay. Um. His schlong, if you will. At this point, Gene is doing his best to keep this interview on track, but it's not working. Uh, the the promo just kind of ends, and we don't actually find out who one the bodyguard is. Yeah. Two, who the bodyguard is that's got that was also the Hummer Driver. Yeah. Uh why Sid
1: and that shirt France yeah and what was the fourth one fuck me if I know it. like I pfft. the only apparent surprise that he delivers on here is he's going to beat up Dennis Rodman Yeah, it wasn't a good segment no it was very bad uh, tag team match as uh, the British Empire Chris Adams and Dave Taylor uh, so take on Ed. the British Empire uh, or the British the, the British Empire okay Um, take on Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio. Uh, Rey Mysterio in his Department of Corrections jumpsuit to hide his enormous knee pads, even though um, several... This is the first time where several times during this match I've noticed him adjust said knee pads. He's
2: he's still trying to hide the fact that he has no knees at this point. Yeah. Um, Which is funny, considering Dom would then do the prison gimmick.
1: Indeed. Um, What did you think of butlin's act dave taylor and chris adams here i enjoyed it i you- uh, 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 bloody hate america <laughs> I, I enjoyed it I, that was fun. <laughs> see this flag it's the best flag <laughs> fuck me uh, look look we popped for fucking charlie sterling so yeah we can't shit true. on it too much uh, crowd is absolutely great Um, during this uh, they really wanted Ray straight away, and then when he did call in, they huge pop. Adams hits a power slam and a backdrop. He misses a diving thing. Uh, Ray hits a springboard moonsault. Uh, he does so. Ray does a baseball slide, gets up, runs back at Chris Adams, who kicks his head into the third row with a super kick. Awesome super kick. Sounded great it's, as well. It's a fantastic super kick. Uh, Ray rolls out, gets choked with, the f- uh, choked with the flag by terrific evil Brit Dave Taylor. Uh, huge stomps and claps for the hot tag. This was like a raucous cheer for a hot tag. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets cut off. Taylor goes to whip him into the corner. Ray takes out Adams. Then Taylor hot tag to Eddie. Faces go crazy. Eddie does a pop up. He pops up Ray into a drop kick on Taylor, which looked great. Hits the the Bronco Buster on Adams uh top rope frankensteiner into a frog splash for the win. Uh I love their like basically their version of power and glory. Yeah. And I um, I love
2: Eddie went fucking three quarters of the way across the ring. To hit that did that frog splash.
1: Great. Um then the Deadpool come out to attack the faces and then Kidman comes in to even the odds. Good guys clear the ring. Uh we double dip with Kidman cuz he's out for the next match. It's Kidman versus Disco Inferno. Uh bog standard opening couple of minutes they're trying to get over the thing that Disco is being weirdly serious during this yes Um, this is the thing they're trying to get over and serious is code for fucking boring (laughs) (laughs) he does a nice pile driver that's all I'll give him he does a nice pile driver Uh, Disco does the wolf pack poses and does the hall point at some point I just wrote have some self respect (laughs) Uh, The heat segment was long and bad. They do... Twice they do the bit where he throws Kidman outside and then throws them into the rails. It goes for fucking ages. Just as Kidman's finally about to win, the Deadpool return again. Uh, In a really cool bit, Vampiro hits the Vampiro spike off the middle rope. That looked deadly. Um, Disco tries to stop them. He gets laid out as well. So we get the tease of Disco joining up with Kidman and the boys... Really weird. Some sort of group of filthy animals or something. Yeah, and it was
2: really weird the way Disco put his hand out and then
1: walked away on them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think anybody, like, it it was done in a way where it was like they'd teased it loads of times before, but the crowd were just like, what? It's Disco, where the fuck would you? (laughs) Yeah. 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 Especially because he'd worked so intently as a heel during this match and, like, was battering Kidman yeah it's not and like, like it, it makes no sense that he'd entertain the handshake it's not like or that they'd offer it yeah it's not like they started
2: the match with a handshake between Kidman and Disco, and there was like mutual yeah. respect there
1: it's like they were doing the fucking black bull combat club with Ricky Starks thing the other week where it's like you know you you fought really violently and really really impressed you bled with us so now you can join us it's fucking weird uh more speculation about the main event uh a, a weird stat from Tony saying that two of Hogan's six world title reigns in WCW came in Sturgis. Um, we get a full replay of the career steps being put on the line for no reason. Uh, we then get Buff Bagwell versus No Music's Scott Norton. Um, apparently Buff is gonna show the cat at Sturgis that he's Buff and also that he is the stuff. Uh a man in the crowd roared the word stuff along with him, which made me laugh. Um, I wrote, this is already a walking pace Scott Norton match. Mm-hmm. Um, Buff did a thing I've almost never seen a wrestler do. Fuck up a dragon he screw? Does, yes. He did a dragon screw the wrong way around. Yes. How do you not... Like, I am not... I have not stepped between the ropes once in my life. And I instinctively know the way you roll on a dragon screw. Yep. How?
2: Because he's buffed Bagwell, How baby? does this happen?
1: Yeah. Um, it Awkward bump. Norton hits a shoulder breaker that looked ghastly to take. <laughs> uh, Cat comes out. takes fucking ten minutes to put on his shoes on the ramp. What? One would wonder why he didn't just come out wearing yeah,
2: them. Yeah, why was he not wearing them
1: backstage? Uh, Bagwell starts to fight back. The cat, uh, I, I don't know why I wrote this. Cat doesn't improve. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming he doesn't improve the match by his, uh... oh, he doesn't approve of it. Stop That's it. what it was. So he comes down. Buff does a really, oh yeah. So Norton goes to do a running headbutt and Buff dodges it by like grabbing his head in midair and trying to like pass him away. It was very strange, like he clearly was supposed to dodge out of the way and wasn't fast enough and panicked Buff goes for a cover, Cat pulls the ref out, Ono skulls Buff with the briefcase but he kicks out a two Cat and Sonny in the ring um, Norton lays out Cat with a clothesline, Buff does a blockbuster uh, and ref calls the bell uh, He does the, he does it on Ono doesn't he? He does Yeah. Um, Norton stalks Cat up the ramp and Sonny is dead uh, in the ring uh, shit shite. yeah it was really yeah. bad uh, Nitro Girls number 3 and then we go straight into Canyon versus uh, Booker T uh, Canyon accompanied by the triad Booker accompanied by Stevie in a fabulous scalp. Uh we get the usual triad promo which I'm already kind of getting bored of um, it's unfortunate but yeah he says Benwell better keep the belt warm then they go into Harlem Heat's mama is so dumb I did kind of get a little bit of a dad joke chuckle at she's so dumb she puts M&M's in alphabetical order
2: <laughs> it's not funny
1: did you uh, did you see somebody it's from one of the WWE documentaries somebody clipped uh, Mox telling dad jokes no and it was him hanging out like in the arena when people are kind of working on shit during the day, and it's him, Renee, Rollins, and Roman. And he goes, Yeah, buddy of mine got a new job. And it's uh, taking photographs of uh, salmon dressed up in different outfits. It's like shooting fish in apparel. <laughs> <laughs> and I was in work when I. That's <laughs> good <laughs> listening to this. And I was wheezing <laughs> at my desk. <laughs> uh, and you can The thing is You can hear it in his voice good, yeah. It's good when I deliver it But it's not as good as Yeah The yeah. Mox voice delivering it uh. Anyway uh, Triad sent away from ringside um, Booker firmly in control Until Canyon stops a whip And hits a fisherman's neckbreaker Which looked cool uh, His advantage doesn't last long Sidekick Spinebuster uh, Couple of lines, But Ref gets pulled in the way Of the second one The triad obviously went ahead of their cue because by the time the ref is bubbed, the triad are almost already in the ring. Uh, they throw the belt to Canyon while distracting Stevie. He hits Booker from behind with it. Uh, Booker eats a flatliner. Canyon wins. Oh, shit. Sure. Uh, Please. Yeah, it wasn't good. Yeah. wasn't good. These guys are capable of much more. It was a match to serve an angle. Um... I'm going to do the Dirty on You twice with Mean Gene segments and I'm going to get you to describe an even worse promo he does. Uh, it's Gene in the ring with Dennis Rodman.
2: Yeah. Um, <laughs> I will say Dennis Rodman seemed pretty sober.
1: Yes. Which was a good thing. Much more lucid than he usually was yeah. and much more than he definitely was uh, on AEW television. Yes. Uh Rodman employs that Savage has Gorgeous George locked away
2: because she came after him, not because he went after her. Mm-hmm. Um, Gene asks Rodman a question to which Rodman re- replies by taking the microphone from Gene. And he calls Macho an asshole.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And he says that Gorgeous George is going to know that she is his bitch. Mm-hmm. at which point Tony is like, Gene, you need to get that microphone back. Yeah. Because obviously we know that Tony uh, Gene can hear the announcers in his ear. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Wild for a, a Nitro interview. Um, it's after that, that Macho comes out, and it's quite hard to tell
1: if he's shoot mad or working mad. Uh, I think that's, yeah, that's the Randy Savage experience, isn't it? <laughs> Like Dillinger is legit
2: trying to hold him back and struggling, so I don't know, it's it's yeah. hard to tell. But Macho,
1: yeah, Dillinger Dill- is legit trying to hold him back and struggling, but also Dill- Dillinger is terrible yeah. at his job.
2: Yeah, look. <laughs> we're, we're well aware of that, that's been a thing since the 80s. Um, but yeah, no, that was the most intriguing part of this is whether uh, Macho was shoot mad or not.
1: We get our main event of the evening six man tag team match, uh, Nash, Steiner, Vicious. Goldberg, Hogan, Sting. Um, I love that they are trying so hard to make Hogan and Nash the focal point of this because they're the main event of the pay-per-view and no one gives a shit about them compared to Goldberg at the start of this. Now, I do couch that in. All these men come out. Hogan's last. An American maid starts playing. And... As much as I will and do love to bash Hogan people were into this. Oh they were.
2: And I thought Tony and Bobby did a great job selling that it was like they were like oh wait hang on did you hear that music and the Heenan's like yeah that's the old Hogan music. And they really sell it like play it up. Um, The crowd were incredibly hot for, for Hogan. Like I they just were yeah. I mean look Ogans a piece of shit but yeah they were into it they were into the return to the red and yellow for the first time in three years
3: yeah
1: um, now I would like to ask you Um, this was asked of us by Webcon in the discord is the red and yellow nostalgia run WCW's jumping the shark moment ooh. I've never thought of it as that no because so much worse because- stuff happens that's that's my kind of thing is like maybe maybe in some ways creatively it signals a turning point where they acknowledge they're completely out of new ideas and all that's left is nostalgia they're
2: throwing shit at the wall to
1: get ratings on a Monday night
2: That that's a problem yeah. but that's been a problem since mid-98
1: yeah and like you said there's so much stuff now from the next year and a half on that sticks much longer in the memory I think the jumping the shark moment is Russo's higher I I think that's the moment. That like from the, the very start of that, is the like irreversible decline.
2: I think if you want to pinpoint one moment,
1: yeah, it's the Goldberg hailstorm. Yeah, because I I think people who maybe didn't watch it at the time, I think the habit might be for some people to say the Arquette title. No, win. It's not. The horse had already bolted by then. Mm-hmm. Um, it was long gone.
2: Can, can we t- since we've talked about Goldberg? Steen comes out to for after it's the first face out, so. and they play the Steen Crow team because mm-hmm. they don't have the rights to seek or destroy or seek and destroy. Goldberg then comes out, yeah. And Dave, you know where I'm going with this. I do. This fucking company
1: <laughs> left in. And which company do you mean now? Be specific.
2: Fucking WWE and their yeah. shit fucking archivists went through the whole fucking run of Nitro and pulled out
1: all the licensed music apparently. Yeah. Except when they didn't. So Yeah. They what's brilliant is they've so far by my tracking of the shows we've watched, I don't know the nitros we didn't watch. Three times. But what they've pulled out, the main times they pulled this out was his debut with the music and the actual Megadeth performance. Yeah. And almost every time since they've left it, it in. It's true, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah.
2: if they had just left it in for the return, I could live with it.
1: Yeah. But just And it would almost make sense that that's the one they left. Yeah. It's the most important one.
2: So they're obviously paying Megadeth for this to be on the
1: network. Or no one knows. I would totally believe that at this point, especially with how bad the network is right now.
0: Oh,
2: uh, I just.
1: Like, Alan, uh, Alan Forrell was tweeting a bit during the week that he finally cancelled I, I saw that. Because yeah. it's just yeah. so hard to find anything. And I've noticed now, at the point, right? I don't know if you have, at this point in 1999, all the episode descriptions are completely wrong. Oh, that's so bad.
2: Yeah. Like, if we didn't know the dates and stuff,
1: we'd be lost yeah cage you, the only way to use the WWE Network now is if you also have cage match open if you're trying to actually find anything um yeah anyway this match was also pretty bad uh huh um yeah I don't I don't have much here
2: I thought that the pop like the fucking ovation is the only way I can describe it for the tag to Goldberg <clears throat> like the crowd yeah. are like we talked about this a couple of weeks ago they still had a chance here with Goldberg at this point. Mm-hmm. And staying. Uh, they, like, they legit still had had opportunities to turn things around with these two. Mm-hmm.
1: The, yeah. And it's just, again, they're trying the Hogan thing so hard, and they're telling you they want Goldberg. They're screaming <clears throat> that they want Goldberg. Like, you did the return of the red and yellow, like you said, for the first time in three years since Bash at the Beach 96. And even in spite of that and the huge reaction it gets in the moment, as soon as the bell rings, they want Goldberg more. Like it, it, and they cannot see
2: the forest for
1: it, the trees. It's right there.
2: They just cannot or
1: will not get out of their own way. They cannot understand that if Goldberg, if, the, if this company is hot and they turn it around... That, yes, Hogan, you may not have the title for five minutes, but you will still make more money. The, the,
2: yeah, the company will still be there
1: for you to bleed dry. Yeah. And it's yeah. just.
2: Yeah. I will say the worst ref bump
1: you will ever see in your life is in this match. <laughs> well, a couple of horrible bumps. There's a bit where. Sid mistimes his jump up onto the turnbuckle and because he mistimes it, he eats a to shoot kick in the dick
2: yeah well less said about Sid coming off turnbuckles
1: uh, yeah true apparently I saw a tweet this week I've yet to confirm it but I really hope it's the case by the time we They've get to it, it. they edited yeah. the leg break off the network
2: no, not that it's off network but he went to a different show
1: ah uh, yeah I uh, I'm very happy yeah, because uh, I've seen that maybe twice in my life and I have no need enough. to ever watch it again yeah and I will not I gotta tell people that right now when we get to it even if it's there in full glory on the network as soon as he goes to the top rope I'm, I'm fast forwarding yeah, yeah I'm turning away yes it's not happening there is and it, I'm not like that with every wrestling injury like I can handle some wrestling injuries that one is morbid and makes me feel sick mm-hmm.
2: I mean look the fucking the Darius Martin one or Dante Martin one that happened on pay per view
1: Oh, God, yeah.
2: And Ray Phoenix's as well, where you literally see his arm yeah. snapped too. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it, yeah. that
1: shit isn't fun. Like, it's just yeah. not. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Nash is unconscious because Hogan hit him with a chair. He gets put in the deadlock. He's unconscious and the ref calls it for the baby face. I will say, best Hogan chair shot you'll ever see. Yes. Um, I don't have much else to say about it. it i didn't care for it it was an incredibly hot match in terms of crowd reaction um so it served that purpose and it got them where they needed to go in terms of now both careers will be on the line um but it was a bad match just a bad match
2: i will say after reviewing the show the show wasn't that good i thought the crowd brought the show up so much
1: yeah and i think the same is of the same is true of raw as well mm. raw was a better show
2: absolutely was yeah. um
1: but yeah i think the crowd elevated both of these shows past what they actually were in terms of quality um you're very right um so do you want to do winners and losers for the whole night then
2: okay winners and losers for the whole night winners uh chris Jericho triple h bill goldberg i'll give them hulk hogan um i thought those four had great nights mm mm-hmm. um Losers let's see, let me have a look. Who looked bad on these shows? Uh, I don't know, I'm looking I'm looking through my notes. Nobody sticks out on the WWF side. Um maybe Raven. Big show. Big well, big show gets shit on by everybody, yeah. That's that's probably a good yeah. one. Um yeah, probably Big Show, and... I mean... Do you want to say David Flair for obviously getting like a, some kind of beating on national TV?
1: Yeah, he's not US champ anymore, so I feel like let's let's stick the boots in um, uh, for a little while. Now, I don't want people who didn't watch the shows back in the day to misunderstand me. This isn't the end of David no, Flair, not. not by a long shot. Now... He will get much more tolerable at a point for a while yes, next he becomes, year because he he, he he gets into a trio with a much more capable wrestler and a much more over valet. Yeah. So actually I have him as the third wheel in a little faction is fine, I, I guess.
2: I have one more, Macho. I thought Macho had a really bad night.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was a horrible promo on the Thunder. And he somehow soared beneath that bar. Mm-hmm. And this is a guy who, like... And you know how much, again, how
2: much I love Matro, but yeah, no, he hasn't been good the last yeah. two episodes.
1: Yeah, and we we talk about how there was a long time where he was one of the only people still projecting himself like an absolute megastar. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is no longer the case now. He's missing more than he's hitting. Um, And again, we've seen him wrestle a couple of times now since he's been back for the injury. And he's also... He's washed. Yeah, he's gone. Yeah. He's gone. Right, that was an exhaustive <laughs> night of nitro. I I am blown up and I'll be relieved to retreat in the sweet release of a regular thunder in 2 weeks. Thank you so much for sticking out people. Um if you want to hear our Dulce Tones before our next free episode next week, you need look no further than uh Patreon. A large man appears.
2: Yeah. com forward slash WCW Thunderpod if you want.
1: Yes, where we've been doing some uh some kick-ass shows lately, I feel like. Um Lee, what uh what just went up last week on Patreon and, and um what have we got coming up next?
2: Last week was the conclusion of our deep dive into the world of wmac masters we finished season one we were left on a cliffhanger if you haven't listened check out the show um i don't think anywhere else you will ever get a full review of a season of wmac masters but we do it better than anybody else um, and and, and the,
1: the the only person who maybe does it better than us will in be on a different show. medium yeah. will be on our show as uh, Christopher Landis will join us next month. The author of Quest for the Dragon Star will be joining us for our post-season one wrap-up and interview special. Um,
2: and then this coming week, we are doing our last TRL of the current bunch, I believe.
1: Yes. As a friend of the show, Nathan, yes. has uh, requested a very... It's the most niche thing we've ever covered on the show. Um, whereas a, a movie that I don't think really travelled much further than the Australia New Zealand region, uh, the movie Herc, the TV movie, I believe, Hercules Returns from 1993. Um, I have no idea what to expect from this. Um, it is the blindest I've been flying into something since maybe WMAC Masters. Um, But also, um, we are going to get back next month uh, once we've done... We've got solo audio coming as well this month. But um, next month is going to go back to some bread and butter now that the TRLs are finished. So we're going to go back to two of our favorite series to do. Um, In October, we will be doing a rehash of the Champions, which Lee has not returned to that show in many, many months. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would be good to get you back on there, buddy. And then we are also going to do a classic days of thunder at the movies. Um, I have a couple of ideas for, for themes floating around. So you will need to be a member in the next couple of weeks to vote on what film is going to be selected for at the movies. So that's another little enticing thing for you. Uh, we really appreciate uh, all our Patreons. Um, it's it's been incredible the support we get on
2: that and also don't forget October is of course our Ketoween so we will have the third installment
1: yes Scream 3 our annual tradition of reviewing a Scream movie every Halloween until we run out of Scream movies um, at this point there's nearly enough Scream movies to last us the rest of the run of the podcast I think if there's if, when the next Scream movie comes out I think there will now be enough to get us through the whole run of what we've got left um. so yes our ween will be dropping on, on Halloween night
3: <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah anyway uh, we'll see you behind the paywall in a week uh, back here on the Voice of Wrestling podcast network in two weeks thanks for listening we'll see you soon bye bye thanks everyone for listening to another episode of Days of Thunder Days of Thunder was produced by Lee Malone and edited by me Dave Ryan Keep up to date with the show and find all the ways to listen to us. You can follow us on Twitter at WCW Thunderpod or click the Linktree link in our Twitter bio or in the show notes. I am at the day to Dave on Twitter and Lee is at Malone underscore seven one three. Days of Thunder is a part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Follow the VOW network anywhere. Good podcasts are sold for more fine podcasts and you can shake a stick at. Thanks. We're on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Check us out on the feed.
2: Check us out on Twitter at EuroGrapCXP. And join us for chat about European wrestling and a little bit of chat about cheese. Hopefully see you there.